Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to a brand new MMA Roasted Podcast. It's me, Adam Hunter. We have a great show today. We have Patrick Cote, the Predator, calling in. And uh, in studio, we have, uh, when I say legend, I mean legend. Uh, dude is the fight professor. Used to be the announcer for all the Pride events. Uh, this guy's got a resume that I was looking at it last night. I mean, he was in the show Exit Wounds, the movie Exit Wounds with DMX and Steven Seagal. <laughs> as oh. As well as a movie with Shannon, with uh, uh, what am I? Tracy Lords. Tracy Lords, who I had a huge crush on back in the day. Not the only one. Uh, Jesus, she was hot. And you guys don't know, this guy, Steven Quadros, was almost in the band Kiss. He, Gene Simmons saw him, liked him, and actually had him audition for Kiss. We're going to get to all that. First, I want to thank our sponsors. People, I've been saying it for weeks now. Decipher is the lifestyle firm designed to help you make your everyday life easier. They specialize in individualized consulting designed to help you maximize your potential. Call for strategic advising and support, whether it's for help with short-term focus goals or for a long-term career management. Among other services, they offer life coaching, mental coaching, contract negotiations, and personal advising. Not sure your needs fall into their realm of expertise? Only one way to find out, and that's to call them at 1-888-731-COACH. That's 1-888-731-2622. They also have a newly released audio book called Decipher Life, D-I-Cipher Life. It's available for download now. You can get it on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, or on their website at decipher.com. I recommend this book to everybody. It's fucking hilarious. has some great insight and to everyday problems that we all face. Also, tip a fighter. Listen, fighters are underpaid. So underpaid, okay? It's insane. Uh, I was the next week we're having this girl on the on the thing. The girl just fought Ashley Evan Smith. What's her name? Uh, Marion Renault. She's a full time PE teacher. I, I did research on her. Full time PE. What person you know in the NFL is a full time gym teacher or, or a full time NBA player? Uh, a full time uh, you know NBA player slash gym teacher. Fighters have to do that. They they have to do Uber driving. They have to be bouncing. They got to be PE coaches. It's ridiculous. So tip a fighter. We can tip the fighters directly. Thanks to Bubba Jenkins came up with this idea, or we can actually pay the fighters. So fighters, join this. Okay, get paid extra money. I like extra money. Tyler, you like extra money? Yes. Yes. Okay. So that being said, I had a have had a good week so far. Uh, I had my first comedy show. I haven't run a show in years, and I'm like, you know what? I'm sick of having to ask everyone to do their shows. I mean, yeah, I get booked and stuff, but I have new material I want to work on. And, you know, sometimes in Hollywood, it's like you don't want to bomb and then have that be the last time you're ever at that club. And because there are so many great comedians, I need a room to work shit out, you know. So I opened up my own club at the Dime Bar every Wednesday, every Tuesday night at eight o'clock in Hollywood. And it was packed. I was nervous, but it was it was sold out. It was packed. Everyone got in freeze. I don't know if it was sold out, but it was it was out. Uh, <laughs> it everyone was had a good out. time. I, I did invite a bunch of my ex Tinder dates. They came. You know, look, we went on dates. <laughs> 
Dates didn't work. Hey, now they can come watch the show. Uh, so that was fun. That I actually told a story recently about how I met this girl uh, uh, who was smoking hot. I got her number, and uh, she's like, I'm like, hey, can I get a drink with you? She's like, sure. I go pick her up, her boyfriend. She's like, hey, uh, you hungry? I go, sure. She goes, so is my boyfriend. They both hop in my car. Now I'm a fucking Uber driver, right? <laughs> I take them to this restaurant, and I was like, hey, uh, I thought this was a date. She's like, no, I, all, all my friends are guys because I hate girls. I'm like, I hate girls too right now. Anyway, <laughs> turns out the guy was a great dude. I ended up liking the guy better than her, uh, and and he paid for everything, so I would date him again. Anyway, they came to the show, and I told that story in front of them. So that was hilarious, uh, and they liked it. Everybody had a good time, had great comics on. Hofstetter was on the show, Chris Spencer. So it's every Tuesday night at, uh, at the um, Dime Bar. Excited about that. And uh, what's going on with you, Tyler? Uh, just trying to survive, man. My, uh, my wife just went back to work, uh, so I'm full-time with two kids at home now. Damn. But I uh, had some good shows recently. I was at the uh, Ha Ha last weekend. And uh, I did uh, Cochino's uh, starting, oh, I love Cochino, yeah. that starting gate show on Tuesday night. It was yeah. packed. And this poor guy's right up front. He's got this big, long table, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I go, what's going on? And the, and his, and his, the girl he's with is like, don't, don't bring it up. And I'm like, what's up? And th- it was his birthday. And like six of his friends like canceled on him. Oh, so after the show, I go, they're like, come have a drink with us. And I'm like, absolutely. But the guy's been drinking like the whole night and he's all bummed. And he's like, man, I'm really embarrassed. And next thing I know, he's like hugging me. He's like, it's really cool for you to hang out with me. And he's like, uh, and then I went over to talk to Cochino, right? Get paid. I turn around. I hear this crash. The dude fell over, knocked over the entire table, a full pitcher of beer. He had shots. He dropped it all on the floor, and they were like, you got to go. Wow. Was... One of the worst experiences I had was I was on a cruise ship one time, and uh, what I thought was a dude had this like tank top. It was all muscular. I'm like, hey, sir, how's it going? I'm like, you're pretty jacked. And it was a woman. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, I, I met the, the guy behind you. And there was like nobody behind him. Yeah. It, that was, <laughs> I've done that so many times. Like from the stage, I'm like, oh, so uh, when's it due? And the girl's not pregnant. I'm just like, I, I, it's hard. Yeah. Sometimes as a comic. CB, how are you? Everything's good, man. Uh, podcast on Monday was absolutely awesome. Had a lot of fun. A lot of people are liking you, by the way. I, I've noticed, you know, it's, it's nice to have fans. You're like a celebrity now. You know, it's it, more than anything, it's nice that people actually respect what I have to say because nobody else fucking does. Yeah. So it's <laughs> well, kind of nice. Way, but, but that's good. That <laughs> least other people do. Life is good, man. Uh, my girl came into town and we're just having fun. I'm getting ready for next week, going to Vegas for a few days. Are you going to the fight? No, I'm going early in the week. I'm going before Ireland shows up because yeah. I'm going to end up on a cross somewhere. <laughs> and, uh, so... No, just taking it easy, having a good time. Went to Universal Studios yesterday. Yeah, had an absolute blast. Just loving life, man. Look at you, man. You're getting pussy. You got a podcast. <laughs> this is this is good for you. Now, Steve Quadros, it is an honor to have you. What have you been up to, man? Uh, it didn't work out today, just for you. Thank and, you. And uh, you know, but I did work out yesterday, mainly cardio. What I consider leg day is a thousand kicks on the bag. Really? I, yeah, but you know, and just. In acting class, uh, I'd never studied the Meisner technique, so yeah. I wanted to get into the. Can I help you? No. Can I help you? Can I help you? You know, I mean, right. I wanted to get into the repetition part, so I'm uh, studying with a guy named Bill Alderson, who used to teach with Sanford Meisner in New York a long time ago. Wow, and he's a great, great guy. You studied with Stella Adler, right? Yeah, I, I trained. Actually, I, I took a class with Stella Adler when she was still alive. She came out from New York one time. Wow. And it was a situation where this happened. They paired me up with an actress who was a, kind of a working actress. I was kind of working a little bit at that time. And so I thought, great. You know, we pre- prepared this scene. Then she got a job, and she couldn't do 
the scene with me. And I knew Stella was notoriously harsh on actresses. So there was all these little actresses left. So I thought, you know what? If I pick one of those, I know they're going to get ripped apart by Stella. So I sat back and audited the class. And true enough, a girl I used to date in the, the conservatory got up and did a scene. And she Stella stopped it with like 30 seconds into the scene and started critiquing her. And, giving, uh, and then she said, get down and beat the floor. And the woman was totally a deer in the headlights. She's talking about the acting coach from Marlon Brando. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, like the highest level of whatever. It's like custom model or something. Right. So the girl froze. And Stella said, and I quote, you're not an actress. Get off the stage. Uh, it's like wow. a freaking bullet in your heart. Fuck, and man. I thought, maybe I made the right decision. Because I said, I'm going to do push-up, wear a tank yeah. top. How are you doing? We have a thing but called. But that was your no, ex-girlfriend. Like, so you were, were you like well, a not, not girlfriend. Oh, an ex-chick that you banged. And like, when I, yeah. <laughs> now, now, you said you're still doing karate. Now, what, you, you're like a black belt in like all hapkido, right? What are you a black belt in? Uh, technically, I'm not really a black belt in many styles. I I'm, I'm, I guess if you want to say a black belt, I'm a black belt under Pete Sugarfoot Cunningham. He gave me my black belt. He's a kickboxing world champion. Right. But it was a very untraditional thing. He just said one day, he said, you're black belt. I said, oh, okay. But right. I didn't really think about black belts, white belts, because in my I trained in Taekwondo under Sunho Song for a while before I came down here, and that was Hapkido and Judo and Taekwondo. So it was kind of like a mixed style before it was hip to you know be grabbing Is Hapkido people. real? Hapkido is very much like Aikido. Yeah. It is because a lot of wrist manipulation and things like this. To me, it's it's like a an addendum style rather than a main style. That's just my opinion. As a you know, but there's no one style. I think it's just you kind of right. have to learn. Oh, that guy's throwing a punch. Oh, that guy took me down. Oh, this guy's choking me. I mean, put it together. I think that's. I don't know about styles anymore. I don't want to get into Jeet Kundo and wa- be like water my friend or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's already kind of been said and done. So I just kind of do. I do more throwing away than I do adding at this point. Okay, because you know so much. Well, no, I, I just, I, I look at certain things. Like when I first saw uh, the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu and action tapes in 1991-92 before the UFC, it freaked me out because it reminded me of a street fight I lost when I was a teenager. A guy took me down, got on top of me, and, and kicked my ass. And I thought, hell no, I got, uh, it freaked me out. So I started showing my kickboxing buddies th- these tapes. Yeah. And they said, oh, no, all you do is throw an uppercut when the guy comes in like that. I said, no. <laughs> so my ex-wife is in, you know, fixing dinner in, in the kitchen. So I'm moving the furniture out of the way in the, in the living room. I go in the other room, get some boxing gloves. I give it to one of my kickboxing buddies. We're training at the Jet Center at the time. And I said, okay, I want you to hit me with an uppercut. And you really hit me. And I said, and, but if I clinch you, you know you're going down. And I'm not a wrestler at that point. So I'd flake, he'd throw the uppercut, I'd clinch him, fake, then we were arguing, 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 went home. Next day, he calls me. He goes, hey, you know what? You're right, man. We have to learn how to fight on the ground. I said, I know. <laughs> so now, now after, you, after that, did you, what, uh, what belt, and who did you study under for, like, jiu-jitsu? Uh, I, I trained with Habulo, oh, God, I just screwed it up, Habulo Bahal, Alberto Crane, and Orlando Sanchez over at Legacy MMA before it was Gracie Baja. Now it's back to Legacy again. Wow. And I trained there for a while until I got cracked up too many times, and I just took a break. Have you ever had, like, uh, professional fights? No. No. I've had as many professional fights as Custom Auto, Angela Dundee, and Bruce Lee. And CM Punk. (laughs) (laughs) You're good. You. So, no, but that, I mean, but now now you've called so many fights. What was was one of your favorite fights to call in Pride? Well, pretty much everything Vandalay Silva was in because it was like a stick of dynamite in there. I mean, he it, when he would go, he would go like a shark in the water. But I think my favorite fight was Noguera versus Fedor the first time they fought because at the time, Noguera was the number one fighter. He beat everybody, became the pride champion. And Fedor came in from rings 
which was the same area that uh, Noguera came in, which was not closed fist striking to the face. So I thought these guys were not going to do well because as soon as somebody hits them in the face, they're going to freak out. But it didn't work out that way. Fader came in, and it was like, I remember him hitting him on the ground, and I thought, that's damaged, man. It's, it's making the sound. It was like this ugly, grotesque sound, like a Evil Dead 3 type sound. Do you think he's the best of all time, Fedor? Uh, this, see, the, all, the of all time thing, I have a problem with that phraseology, but I, I can try and be simplistic and say of all time. I think John Jones is the guy, personally. Right. I used to think Fedor was the best fighter I had ever seen. I don't know about the history. I don't know about the gladiator days and the Romans and Genghis Khan. Yeah, 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 right. I'm sure they're all pussies, right? No, I don't. <laughs> I, I, yeah, come on. They had some tough guys back yeah, yeah. then. So to go say of all time. Right, right, right. What about G- David versus Goliath? I mean, those guys were tough. That's a good point. You know, I mean, how, how do we know of all time? That's but right. the thing is, in, in what I've seen in my era of the televised era, because we don't, if it wasn't televised, how are we going to know? We can't, we can't tell. But I think John Jones is the best fighter I've seen. He might be just mentally. I don't know if he has it. I mean, I feel like you have to factor in the mental aspect of, of all this, the problems he's been getting into, the hit and run, the did cocaine. He, did he lose? He's not lost yet, yeah. but, he's, but, he's been out, <laughs> but, but he's been out for two years. I mean, so he maybe ended up in jail. One more thing, he's going to jail. How much money are you putting on his opponent? Like Cormier? Yeah. <sighs> I love uh, Cormier. We go back because yeah. I, I used to commentate on his fights with Strikeforce Challengers when nobody knew who he was yeah. and, and Ronda and all these other people who everybody before they became big stars. Right. So I was going to ask with your experience of pride and seeing all these guys, when you see a talent like that, when you see like a guy like DC before he kind of gets to where he is, do, do you have an eye to, to see this guy's going to be a champ? This guy's going to make it up to the top. Um, I always try my best. And when I saw DC and after the strike force challengers and strike force was bought by the UFC, People said, who's the best fighter that you, you commentate on over short time? And we're talking about Ronda Rousey. We're talking yeah. about Nick Diaz, Gina Carano, Chris Cyborg, you know, very, very good fighters. Luke Rockhold. I said, I said Luke Rockhold. And I said, Daniel Cormier, no question. And I went, no, nah, this is before he became, you know, a big star. This is I after said, he knocked out uh, Bigfoot, though, right? No, this is before then. Okay. It was before that. I said, Daniel Cormier, because I, I like to pick the guy before he's Mr. Hotshot. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And it was like, Daniel, I said, Daniel Cormier, because his kickboxing is real. Standing up, he can go. And he's got the whole wrestling thing. He'd take it, you know, yeah. Skyjack, you know, what's his name? Josh Barnett. I mean, this oh, stuff's yeah. ridiculous. Who's the guy, who's a guy or a girl that you were like, this guy's a blue chip, never going to lose. And then you're like, oh, shit. Like, you guess wrong on him. Is there a person there? No, not really. Because usually, I mean, if, if they do well... I mean, it, I, I've never seen a fighter that just went in and sucked and sucked and but like sucked. Like Houston and Alexander, when he first came in, people were like, "This guy's a monster." And then it was just kind of okay. There are a couple people out there that, like, even like Sage Northcutt, people were like, "He's going to be the greatest." And then you know, quits yeah. on the ground. Is there anybody that you've seen that you're like, "Man, this is going to be the next big thing," and it hasn't? Um, I can go in reverse. When Ronda first came in and started fighting, let's face it, it wasn't like top-level competition, but she wasn't either. She was new. Right. I didn't think she was going to become the biggest star that she became. But in, in my opinion, the division is not the most stacked division compared to the men's. Right, because it's, it's a lot like the UFC back in the 90s when you got Tank Abbott ranked in the top 10. And, you know, people, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like it wasn't that, you know what I mean? So I, I think that it was qualified like that, but she's done extremely well and she's progressed as a fighter yeah. inside well, the... we'll see. We'll see about... I mean, but, she's got to leave I, that guy. I, I'm not saying she, she's better than Holly Holm. I'm yeah. saying for her, when I first saw her come in, it was like 
I mean, it wasn't. You thought it was her, a one-trick pony. It was the armbar, and mm-hmm. people didn't. She had world-class takedowns and an armbar, and nobody could stop it. Then you get the scientific gyms like the, you know, Jackson Winklejohn. Anybody that comes out of that camp, you have to be top level to just get into the camp, right? You know. Uh, and then there was something else. Uh, do you think the guys were tougher back then when you like in Pride? The guys who were doing it for no money, they were fighting four times a night. You know, they, they, there was less injuries, it seemed like. You mean like the UFC, the tournaments and the... Uh, no, Back when you were you and Boz were commenting on the Pride era, you think the guys were tougher? Mm, I don't know about tougher. They There was no money and they knew there wasn't going to be any money. So they just, they only did it for the reason of, I want to show that I'm the best. Now it's an economic reason. So you go in there and you think, oh, my, my pinky, ah, you know, whatever it is. I mean, people get hurt, but people legitimately get hurt now too, yeah. because training, people doing all these plyometrics, all these external things. I, I, I'm personally, I, I'm not into a lot of that external type training for, for an athlete. I think that they should train specific for the fight a lot. You do a lot of bag work, mitt work, sprawling, wrestling, or whatever. And you do your road work. But when it comes to st- stuff that we can actually get injured doing some weird, freaky training thing and pop your knee out or yeah. hook your shoulder. I mean, and, and this happens. It's real. Well, let's talk about that because in the last two days, Rafael Dos Anjos got hurt. Uh, pulled out of the fight, which people are saying, you know, wasn't a real injury. I saw that. That foot looked bad. In fact, I talked to Ellenberger today. He was there when that happened. He said he was in the real pain. He really fucked up his foot. I know the Connor says put a put some ice on it. But you know <laughs> what? Look, I don't like watching fights where a guy doesn't give a best a great performance, and then mm-hmm. afterwards you go, oh, even with Weidman, Chris Weidman, who says, oh, my foot was hurt. A guy had a fractured foot against Rockhold. Well, you should have pulled out. Now, I understand why you wouldn't. You're on the same card as Conor McGregor. You're getting a part of the pay-per-view. You're probably getting... Because I think after a certain number, they all split the pay-per-view revenues, right? Or all the, the main card guys do. So you're, probably, you know, you're talking about $3 million versus 500000 You're like, fuck it. I'll fight with a fractured foot. But then when you lose, there's always that asterisk of, oh, he had a hurt shoulder. Even Pacquiao Mayweather. When Pacquiao, remember after he lost uh, Mayweather, he said, oh, I fought with a torn. I'm like, well, then, then you're kind of robbing the fans of seeing you at your best. So I'm happy Dos Anjos pulled out. However, since then, as we all know... Nate Diaz has stepped in, and I am so excited for this fight. I saw the press conference yesterday. It was one of the funny. You watch it? I did watch it. One of uh, the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Conor McGregor, he kept calling him Nick's little brother. Uh, Nate said, you fought three midgets, and now you are all toughed up. Uh, I mean, uh, Conor was saying that Dos Anjos hurt his foot and his pussy the same day, or his vagina the same day. Uh, I mean, it was, it was awesome. In fact, you could almost tell that Nate actually kind of liked Conor in some ways, because he, he wasn't as angry as I thought he would be, maybe because he knows he's getting a million dollars, so he's like... But yeah, uh, I don't know. It, the fight it's at 170. Fuck. I, I hope Nate wins. Right now he's a four to one underdog. I'm very tempted. You, if you parlay Misha and Nate, 100 bucks on Misha Tate, Nate Diaz gets you like 1400. And I'm very tempted to to put that bet in. I hope Nate wins. I don't know though. Uh, Steve, what do you think about this fight? Well, I, I'm excited. From the promotional standpoint, because they both know how to play the game, the verbal game, the, you know, the sparring, you know, you're a little cholo or you're a punk, you're on steroids. <laughs> no, I'm not. And, you know, it's like, yeah, ready to get roid rage with, even though he wasn't, you know, but it, I, I'm really excited about it. But it's going to be one of those things where Nate has a problematic style. 
for himself facing facing Connor because he's he's long, but he's not as fast as Connor. And so Connor has got a lot of in and out things. So I, I think it's going to be really hard for him to catch Connor clean. He's also taking the fight on a nine days notice with no training camp. See, see, you talk about asterisks. This is the thing that frustrates me is so RDA pulls out and of course Twitter explodes. Who's he going to fight? Who's he going to fight? And one of my first thoughts was nobody because it sucks. Like as much as I want to see Connor fight, you, can't, you, you, you got everyone in Ireland coming over, the, uh, getting hotel rooms. But the reason my, my first thought is nobody is just is because of that asterisk. Because one, okay, so RDA is not going to fight. So now the belt's off the line. And now you you're going to throw in there someone short notice. And that's the thing is it's like, I'm, I'm the same way. I want to see guys fight healthy guys after good training camps. I mean, you throw, you could throw anybody in there and like, don't get me wrong. I I'm stoked on this fight. Like I love like as a fan to see Diaz McGregor, but I want to see D I don't want to, I don't want that asterisk of, well, you're, you're I came the in, asterisk. I okay. came in at nine days. You get, well, listen, I want to see like when McGregor Mendes fight. came in and he goes, well, I lost. I got no camp. And you that's, go, well, that's the thing is that that's they, they could have picked cowboy cowboy just had a fight. He's in top shape. He doesn't get out of shape. Nate said himself, I don't have a camp. I didn't have a camp. I didn't train for this fight. I, you know, I, from, how is he going to pass the marijuana test? I mean, he's not. I mean, that's. It'll happen <laughs> anyway, but it, later on, they're, oh, he failed his test before the thing, like John Jones with the Coke thing. Yeah. But, uh, but people didn't know that John Jones is on Coke. Everyone is aware that Nate Diaz, I mean, he, he posts pictures of him smoking weed. Uh, <laughs> I, I think he has his own strain of weed. Psycho, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, the first thing about it is about the camp. Nate said yesterday in a in an interview that wasn't on the presser, I'm taking a three-day camp, and that's all I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'm doing a three-day camp. I'm glad it's at 170 because, you know, damn well he ain't making it to 155. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of a fan, it's like, like you said, the press conference was hilarious. You can't expect anything less from the two of them. They're going to go crazy. But Connor said, you know, I like you, Nate. I like you, but... You're in the crosshairs now. There's yeah. not really, this is what I have to do. Um, it's also very interesting, which I knew they weren't going to do, but people were asking me on Twitter yesterday, you know, is the, is the Misha home fight being the main event because it's a title? I said, no, they're keeping Connor in the main slot. Of course. Because mm-hmm. they need that. And like you said, Ireland's coming in. The Vegas, I was looking at prices for hotel rooms the other day ridiculously high prices. One night at MGM, I think Monday or Tuesday was $600. Wow. For a regular, like the basic So what room. bushes are you, are you going to sleep in? Um, <laughs> you know what? I actually, I got a room at Excalibur for two nights. Nice. Just because it was cheap. How um, much is that? Uh, I think the total with, with, uh, with the resort fees is still under 300 bucks, but is I'm going girl, early it, in the Is that week. your girl coming with you? Yeah, of course. Look at you. Oh, you live there. Why do you stay with, why do you stay with her? Because I don't like a roommate. Okay, all right. And I hope she hears this. <laughs> all right. So. Um, I think the fight is going to be unbelievable. Even even in the middle of the fight, as we know with Nate, and, and Connor will probably fall into it and do it too. In the middle of the fight, you're going to see, boom, a punch, and then you go, fuck you, motherfucker, you piece of shit, you ain't got nothing, blah, blah, blah. The thing about Nate, though, he doesn't get hurt with punches. He's been hurt by uh, Thompson, by Thompson and, and, and low kicks. kicks. Yeah, low, low kicks low and kicks, high yeah. kicks. Josh Thompson knocked him out with a high kick, yeah. low kicks. And uh, from what I've seen, Connor has done some crazy, you know, acrobatic, what's that called? Uh, the capoeira. Capoeira kicks. But they don't really see, he never knocked anyone down with the, the kick. Uh, not saying it, it can happen. It just mm-hmm. hasn't happened so far. And I, at 170, I kind of feel like Nate could pull this off. I really hope he does. I mean, look. In round it, one. In round one. Yeah. You think he has one round? If he only has three days camp, yeah, of course. He's going to be out of gas in the second round. He's going to just start getting low kicked, and then he's going to set him up for a jump kick or something. If but, he finishes in, in round one, you think he takes it to the ground and he submits him? Because his style— Nate? Of, yeah. 
Yeah, you, but I, th- I think it's going to be hard to do. I, I think Connor, it's not like he hasn't prepared for RDA for the takedowns because we already saw yeah. RDA take the title from Pettis with the takedown strategy. So he's ready for takedowns. And Nate has never been a super strong takedown guy. I was just going to say, if you think he his chances to finish him in the first, he's a volume striker. Obviously, we we know he throws that Stockton boxing. Just, but uh, yeah, like. I don't know. Like, It'd be this, great if you could tag Nick in. Wouldn't that be great? Like, if, like it was like a tag team. <laughs> yeah, Wouldn't that be amazing? Like they both yeah. come out, and then like as soon as one gets tired, the other one, and the other guy smoking a joint in the corner. Like <laughs> that would be great. Right, we're gonna call uh, Patrick Cote right now. Get his thoughts on his last fight. He he knocked out Ben Saunders. And he knocked out Josh Berkman before that. Here's a guy. He's had like ninety-seven thousand fights and has never been knocked out. Is this Patrick Cote? Yes. You're on the MMA Roasted Podcast. It's me, the fight professor, Steve Quadros, CB, the intern, as well as Tyler Bowe. How are you, man? I'm pretty good, thanks. Thank you, man. Congrats on your uh, your last string of wins, man. You uh, you knocked out Ben Saunders. You, you knocked out Josh Berkman in a fight that you were hurt yourself. Uh, you're killing it. How do I wasn't you... hurt. I wasn't hurt. I wasn't. He, he caught me on the blind side. I wasn't hurt. All right. Okay. You weren't hurt. It just seemed like you were falling down. Uh, but you, um, you've been getting better with age. How, how is this possible? Man, I'm, I'm taking advice from good wine, man. I, I think it's, it's the same thing. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think it's the, the experience, man. And, uh, I'm just, I just stopped to worrying about about a lot of a lot of things in life, a lot of things in uh, in, in combat combat life. Just gonna go in there and enjoy enjoy the time, enjoy the present. And uh, you know, I built my third career, so now I'm doing that because I want to, not because I need to. So it's uh, it's ten times less stressful now when I'm going to to fight, and it's just uh, it's just having fun now. Now, when you were zero and four in the UFC, having a tough time, you were married. Uh, since then, you've been divorced and you've been winning. Uh, is it because you don't have the pressure of the nagging wife? Tell us the truth. Uh, I don't know, man. I've never been married, but I heard stories about that. That it's a, uh, it's a, it's a lot of weight on your shoulder. So doing a starting a professional fighting career and being married at the same time that could be very, no, but very you, difficult. But, but, but you, uh, you had a girlfriend, right? And you have a long-term girlfriend. Yes, yes, I had, I had one, yes, and now I have a new one, oh, and I'm going to have a baby soon, and uh, it's a whole new project that's coming, but uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm still have a, maybe a couple of years uh, still fighting, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. Congratulations. Uh, just like I said, uh, I'm on thanks, I'm, I'm living, I'm living the, the prison right now. Yeah, you're, you're a great guy, man, you're one of my favorite fighters, you're very funny too, by the way. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, after your last fight, you called out Nick Diaz, did he respond to you? No, no, no. I, I don't know if he if he's able to read something. Seriously, uh, but uh, you know what? When you smoke that much pot, you know you know what what happened to your eyes. It's getting closed. That's the thing. And uh, but uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I wanted I wanted a big name. I want a top a rank fighter. Uh, I want a top fifteen. I think I should be in the top fifteen instead of Albert Tumenov or something like that. I I think I'm, I deserve more to be in the top fifteen than him. But hey, who cares? There's this is just a number, but this is a number that it can give you a better fight in the in the future. 
So if they, they're they not going to give me a, a ranking fighter, I wanted a big name. And Diaz is coming back in August. So I was like, okay, let's do it. Let's call him. I tried to call almost everybody in the top 15 since two years. And, uh, you know, I didn't get it. They gave me, you know, no disrespect to, to those guys, but they gave me Berkman. After that, they gave me Saunders. Uh, I think I made two big statements with those with those knockouts, and uh, right now I think I deserve to have a, a ranked uh, fighter. Now I rank a I think so too. You've also had how many? You had fifty fights, and you've never been knocked out. Uh, what is it about your head? Is it? Do you just have a, a hard ass head? <laughs> I think so. I think so. You know, when when I was younger, I, I was uh, I, I wanted to uh, to go to the war and make my name and going there and prove that I had a better chin than uh, than my opponent. But you can't do that for forever. And let me tell you something: it's uh, it's getting it's getting uh, it's getting bad when you try to to fight always like that, getting in the war. So you have to adjust your. Uh, you have to adjust your fighting style and being smarter about that, and that's what I'm doing in in uh, the last maybe last maybe couple of years, and maybe two years. You know, I, I upgrade my wrestling, my jujitsu, and now I'm more a complete fighter. I'm more well-rounded, so that's why I'm not uh, using my chin like a weapon like like before. <laughs> nice, like a Chuck <laughs> Webner type thing, uh, Patrick. Yeah. Uh, when I when I first saw you in the UFC, uh, everybody's talking about injuries and how people have to pull out and pull out. Well, you actually were re- the recipient of a gift to fight Tito Ortiz, as I recall, in your first appearance in the UFC. Describe that experience, and you almost put him away with that big bomb. Yeah, but <laughs> that would be a big mistake <laughs> at, at that time to to win against Tito. <laughs> uh, I wasn't. Wait, are you to saying you held back? Yeah, no, but I mean, I mean, uh, no, not at all. Uh, I wanted to win. I wanted to knock him out. But when I think about that now, it's just, uh, you know, I wasn't at this level at that time. You know, can you imagine at that time, you see 50, Tito was was just losing his, uh, his title fight. He was still the poster boy of the UFC. And I, I went against and this guy. First, I was in the wrong weight class. I was a chubby young Canadian just coming there. Like, nobody knew me. And I can you imagine I beat Tito and after that they gave me like Belfort or Couture or Little. Man, I'll be I'll be in big trouble, you know, let me tell you something. <laughs> so, you know, losing that that like that was probably the, the best thing that happened to me. That's crazy because it, that was a loss. But man, I, I felt that I won that night. I didn't I lost the fight, but I won I won the night and I made my name with this fight and that was uh, the the mo- the most important thing at the at that night. Now two fights ago you won against Berkman, you call out Hector Lombard. Uh, we tried to get Hector uh, his comments. He said that you waited for him to get uh, suspended, and then you called him out. That he called you <laughs> out, but you are nowhere to be found. Uh, what happened there? Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, uh, he's a little bit right, but uh, when uh, when he called me, the fight didn't make any sense. You know, the fight didn't make any sense. He wasn't in the rank in top five, I think, so at that time. I wasn't even ranked. So nobody, he was not able to, to get uh, an opponent, and he called me because he wanted a paycheck. Just because of that, because he was so inactive that nobody wanted to fight him. And uh, at that time, you know, I was a little bit selfish and I, I, I thought about myself and I was like, man, this fight didn't make sense at all for me right now. That was, I thought I was fighting only once at 170 or two, I think so. And, and he called me. So that, that was like, man, that's, that's a stupid call. But, uh, you know, after that, I was, I went back on the winning street and a year after he called me, uh, I accepted the challenge. I was like, okay, let's do it. That's not my fault if you get in 
because you cheat. Let me tell you something. This is not my fault. I don't cheat. I'm clean. So, you know, you have to face your, your responsibility when somebody caught you. Right, right, right. Now, during the last week's amazing Bellator main event of Data versus 5000, uh, you said that this is bad for the sport. You tweeted out, call Greenpeace, put Data back in the water. And you said it was the worst thing you said on TV, and that's including Scary Movie 3. And then you said you rewatched it in slow motion, and you realized it was in full speed. Uh, so was that the worst fight you've ever seen? And, and I mean, is that really, you really think it's bad for the sport, the whole Dada? It got 2.5 million viewers, but what are they watching, that, right? Yeah, that's that's the thing. You know, I don't think that they wanted to have a good fight. They knew it. They wanted views, and uh, uh, they got it. You know, everybody was talking shit about this fight, but everybody saw it. So they, they got what they wanted. But the only thing it's man, Dada is 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 freaking hard stop in the ambulance to yeah. go to the to the uh to the, the hospital. Can you imagine if this guy die? Can you imagine the the the, the repercussion of the sport after that? Not just for yeah, it, it's bad for him, but you know, first of all he shouldn't fight, he should, he didn't train for that. And this is this is not like before. This is not like a doorman against an hockey goon is going to the, the cage and they're gonna have they're gonna have uh, you know success. This is not that. This is a real professional sport and real athletes they train they train their ass off and this is a full time job if you want to have success in, in this in this career. And you saw what happened when there's two bums like that they fight and they don't train well for that. It's it's good for the show, but it's a freak show and almost a guy passed passed away because of that. It's very it's very bad. And uh, I was just imagining that this this guy passed away What's going on the, the the news after? Nobody will mention that this guy wasn't supposed to fight. Nobody will mention that he wasn't belt or it wasn't UFC or something like that. The only news on the on 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 the media will be only that there's a die in MMA. That's yeah. it. So yeah. that that's that's the that's the worst thing. Absolutely. Now, now, Steve, you mentioned though that you think that it's not necessarily a sport. It's kind of a entertainment, right? MMA. Uh, well, yeah. Well, I, I, I I think the 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 fight between Kimbo and Data. You know, that was like, obviously, they're two street fighters, and it was basically an MMA fight, they said, but neither one of them are really that accomplished. I mean, Kimbo was more accomplished than Data on paper because he's been training with American Top Team, he's been training with Boss, he's been training with yeah. some different people. But the, the thing is, when that fight happened, I, I had a, a discussion with a friend of mine, Evan Showman, who's also, you know, does a lot of you know, podcasting and things. And I said, look, this is brilliant, a brilliant move. I mean, I'm not saying I agree with it, I'm not saying it's good for the sport because, as, as Patrick said, it's not good for the sport because that guy had died. It would be really hard to get over that one. And a lot of people would come out of the woodwork and try and put the sport out of business. But the thing was is that there was an undercard fight between two Latino guys, the very first fight. And they were skilled at everything. They could fly through the air. They could roll around, transitions, you know, hip tosses, wizard takedowns, whatever. But the thing is, we've seen that so much. There's so much of a glut of technical fighters, Demetrius Johnson, people like this, and you see the same techniques over and over and over. It becomes boring. Whereas two guys are sitting there just running out of the gas by staring at each other. That was like, it created some sort of like a Martin Scorsese kind of a reversal of fortune (laughs) to where it it was like, it became more compelling than a real good fight between really good fighters it, yeah no I, I think you're honestly if data and kimbo fought every week i hate to say it i'd probably watch it yeah and, and also take bets on it but but he's but it is it is terrible it, it, you're right and it, and it does and look if, if, if data dies no more bellator 
you know, all these regulations. Uh, it's just bad. But I also think the UFC is guilty of that by putting, by signing CM Punk. Because, we're, I mean, James Tony. Uh, James Tony. Well, James Tony, I think, has a, a kind of a real okay, fighter. Okay, okay, yeah, he's a real but, fighter. Like, CM, yeah. Who's CM Punk going to fight? Yeah. I mean, he's Owen. I mean, maybe he'll fight that guy that was like uh, Michael Jackson, who was the reporter who went back to reporting <laughs> afterwards. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think he's going to, he's never going to fight. I don't, I don't think so. It's, uh, you know, when, uh, when, uh, what, what's the name of the little, the little guy who called him, called him out, and he fought the uh, first fight a couple of. Yeah, Mickey Gall, yeah. yeah. Exactly. When he, he went to the cage after to make to to do the face off or talk to the guy, you look you look in his face. He was scared, man. He didn't he didn't look very comfortable. This this little kid, man, is very skilled, and uh, you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a bad night for CM Punk. He's going against this this guy because he's he's good, man. And he saw that uh, he saw that maybe his his time is coming, maybe to jump in the cage. And he saw that he saw a real. In the real time, what kind of opponent he could fight, and uh, you, you can see it in his eyes, man. He freezes. He, he freezes right there. Yeah. And yeah. after that, he went. He went to. Uh, he went to a surgery, so push back a little bit his uh, his UFC uh, debut. So no, no, no. We'll see. It's gonna be at UFC uh, two thousand. Now, what did you? What do you think, by the way, of Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz? Man, that's. I think McGregor is is awesome, man. I think he's <laughs> awesome. He's the top of the food chain of the of the best talker in the UFC history. He's amazing. And uh, yesterday at the presser, you know, Nick looked Nate looked like a, a kid, man. He wasn't he wasn't able to talk. He wasn't. Yeah, he said a lot of fuck, 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 and everybody everybody was was uh, waiting for that, but. <clears throat> McGregor has answer for everything he said. And the best thing he said, McGregor, is when Nick Diaz said, everybody's on steroid, you're on steroid, everybody's on steroid. And McGregor went back with, oh, yeah, like your two training partners, Shield and Melendez. I was yeah. like, oh, okay, that's it. That's <laughs> it. It's, this is a knockout right there. That was that was amazing. So who do you think wins the fight? Uh Man, Nate, Nate is a good boxer. He's a really good boxer, and uh, he's, he's he's putting his he's putting his hand together. But I think uh, you know he's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a little bit too fast uh, for him. Uh, McGregor has a better chance to to win against Diaz than against Dos Anjos in my book, in my head. Uh, so I'm 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 picking McGregor. But uh, he has to keep the fight on, on his feet and moving a lot and uh, going in and out, in, in and out, and uh, and that's it. And frustrate, just get Nick Diaz on the frustration mode. I mean, he says he's having a three-day training camp. Have you ever had a three-day training camp for a fight? Never, yeah, never. I mean, when I fought, when I fought Tito, that was a four days notice, but I was already prepared to fight Marvin Eastman on the same card. So, no, three. <laughs> no, I never had three days uh, training camp. Now, this week's fight, Anderson Silva, a guy that you fought, who I think you might have beaten had you not getting hurt in that fight. He's fighting Michael <laughs> Bisbing. Who do you have winning this fight? I really wish that Bisbing is gonna win. You know, I think Bisbing is the best fighter in the UFC who never had a title fight, and it's it's about time for him to have a title fight because you know we had beef together be, in a couple of years ago. We didn't like each other, but we met finally. We shook hands, and uh, he's a cool dude, super cool <laughs> dude. And now we're cool, we're cool, and uh, and I really, I, I really uh, hope that he's gonna be able to to pull out, uh, pull the trigger, and, and win the fight. Uh, 
if that was this fight was like four years ago, I was like, man, Anderson hands down for sure. But the Anderson Silva is not the same, and it's really dependent which Anderson Silva is gonna show uh, Saturday night. But uh, man, Bisbane looks in tremendous, really, really in good shape, and uh, mentally and physically, he's fast. He's a good kickboxer too. But uh, he's gonna have to catch. Uh, he's gonna have to cut the angle a lot to to catch uh, Silva in a in a corner or somewhere. I hope Bisbing wins too. I mean, also you wonder. I mean, Anderson Silva didn't look that good against Nick Diaz. He got busted for steroids in that fight. He lost to Weidman twice. He was out on his feet the second time before he he like broke his leg. Uh, the first time he he got knocked out. He hasn't really had a good fight in like almost three years. Uh, so yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing too. You know, all the mystery around Anderson Silva that is is like the god of MMA. He's like unbeatable. It's not there anymore. So that's a big factor of the opponent is going to fight Anderson Silva now. This is not like man. Okay, I, I have to. I have at least make two rounds. I have at least make three rounds or something like that, and I'll be good. And I'll look good. It's not like that anymore. Everybody knows that the Anderson Silva is beatable now, and I uh, got the maybe he, maybe he was cheating all in all his career. We, we never know. But uh, this is this is a very very different mindset now to fight Anderson Silva than before. Yeah, I think the broken leg syndrome uh, that has happened to Anderson Silva also happened to Jose Pele Landy, and it also yeah. happened to Tyrone Spong in glory. I was, and, I was at that fight, actually. Yeah? Jose Pele Landy, I was at five feet from the from, Gasaway. Uh, it was uh, Brian Gasaway, right? Gasaway. That was in Montreal here. Yeah, it, I was there. Same that situation. Was <laughs> he checked him, the leg snapped, but it also happened to Tyrone Spong when he fought Gokan Saki in the glory yeah. finals of a, of a tournament. And since all those guys have had that leg break, they have not had the success because that's a big one. To, as when you snap your shin like that, it's really hard to get over. And I think it's a psychological thing, but I think also think it's a physical thing. No, uh, I think so too. Now, Patrick, I know that bet you and GSP are really good friends. Back in the day, you guys would like you know double team two black girls or like have two on two. You had lots of <laughs> never went there. You never had went lots there. of orgies. You guys would high five after <laughs> sex. Uh, there's all kinds of rumors about you guys and like the sisters of Canada. Uh, is GSP coming back? <laughs> Uh, I'd be down. I'd be down. We've not closed uh, like before. You know, we we took two different uh, two different paths. Uh, he's living his uh, millionaire life or somewhere, and I'm living my uh, good life here. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> and uh, but uh, I have big doubt that he's gonna come back. Uh, you know, I'm not training with him uh, anymore. Uh, we wrestle at the same place. Sometimes I see him, but uh, it's it's not like before. And like I said, he's uh, first of all I have I. I, I I can't see any good reason for him to come back. You know, he went back, he, he left, he was on the, he was on top, the best welterweight in the UFC history. He doesn't need money. Uh, he has already, he, he, has, he already has his legacy. So I have no idea why he's thinking to come back, especially after two years now. It's more than two years he's, he's out. And, uh, and, and for the UFC too, the thing is, you're going to put him against who? That that's the thing, you know. You have to you have to think about making millions with George when he's gonna come back. Come back, but you gotta put it against against who for a super fight? McGregor. Now, George does. Uh, uh, pardon me. I said McGregor. Yeah, if McGregor yeah, beats perfect. Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor yeah, versus GSP. Anderson. Yeah, I can. Uh, it can be good, but uh, you know, I like McGregor, but I don't think he's is is now that now right now. But uh, if if they put 
money on the table, hey, why not? But uh, for George, I don't think he, he need money. I don't think he, he needs to come back. Uh, you know, everybody, everybody will be happy if he's coming back because he, he's a, he's an amazing he's an amazing fighter. I mean, I mean, amazing athlete. He's like the Superman. You know? <laughs> he's like no. he's like a cartoon. Man. He's like a cartoon. It's like somebody put a take a pen and draw this guy. It's, it's amazing. Now, is he but, single? Uh, pardon me. Is, is is he single? GSP. Uh, I don't know, man. No, probably, probably, yeah, no, and no at the same time. Right? Because I heard <laughs> stories that he would hook up with the hottest finest chicks in Canada. Like it was just like, we, we could you confirm this? I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't confirm that. I wish, I wish he's, uh, he's with somebody good. For Wait, you guys didn't go to clubs <laughs> together. You guys didn't go to Toronto clubs and do some like break dancing and, and just at the end, like, Make out? No, I did not before. Not before. Not anymore. Like I told you, man, I'm gonna have a kid like in a couple of months, and uh, <laughs> everything is good, man. Uh, but uh, yeah, I saw I saw a lot a lot of things when I was with George, and uh, we, we did a couple of good parties. But uh, it's not like something uh, that was before. It's not like before now. <laughs> oh, you don't have to give us any good stories. All right, fine. Now, uh, final question. So, Wonder Boy was the guy that you fought. Uh, it was a tough fight. Now he's looking unbeatable. I mean, he knocked out Hendricks in one round. Uh, he knocked out Ellenberger in one round. Did you know he was going to be that good when you fought him? Pardon me, what? Did you know that Stephen Thompson was going to be that good when you fought him? And the line's not good, but uh, you're talking about Thompson, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you know he was going to yeah. be as good as he is now? Oh, he's he's amazing, man. This is this is the, the, he has a very weird style and unique style that it's hard to train for for this guy. And uh, you know, I think I had success against him because I'm moving a lot. I move a lot my feet. I move a lot my head. And I never gave him, uh, you know, a fixed uh, target to 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 hit me. That's what happened with uh, with Hendrix. Hendrix is he has a power in his hand, but he's going forward all the time. So uh, he, he ate him alive. That was that was an easy fight for uh, for Thompson because of the style of uh, of Hendrix. And as soon he stopped it, the only t- one takedown uh, attempt, you can see that Hendrix was like, oh man, okay, now I'm in trouble. And now the the the, the attack were from everywhere, like left, right, knee, uh, knee kicks, all the things. This is. He's he's good. He's really good, and uh, that's the thing. Now I don't know what's gonna happen. There's a big rumor that he's gonna fight Rory. I don't know if it's true, but uh, if it's true, that can be uh, an amazing fight too. Who wins that fight? You know, if Rory fight like the two first round when he fought Lawler, it's gonna uh, it's the same thing with injury is gonna happen. Uh, I think with Thompson is gonna gonna win. It's gonna gonna be easy night for for Thompson and they know each other very well uh, they 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 train uh, a lot uh, a couple of years ago and try start together so uh but that's the key that's the key against uh, against Thompson you have to move a lot you have to move a lot and uh, not giving him a you know a fixed target because man he's got he's gonna beat you well listen Patrick you're a legend you're you're you honestly you're the fourth best fighter from Canada of all time uh, so it's it's uh it's GSP 
uh, Gary Goodrich, and then, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, Sarah Mc- Sarah Kaufman, uh, yes. uh, and then Mitch Clark, and then you. So you're, you're actually <laughs> the fifth. You're Thank actually you. the fifth I'm, best. I'm right in front of Carlos Newton, so that's not me. Right in front of Carlos, <laughs> right. dude. Uh, you're you're an amazing fighter. You're a badass, dude. It sucks that you. You're, I mean, it's good for you. I'm happy you're having a kid, but I mean, word on the street is like the chicks like you. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Patrick. You are a class act. You served in the Canadian military. How cool is yes, that? sir. Thank you, Patrick Cote, for being on the podcast. You're amazing, man. All right. Thank you for having me, guys. Have a good night. Have a good night. What, what, what did you think of Patrick Cote? I love Patrick Cote. He's yeah. charismatic. He's funny, and you could you could tell maybe the guy might have had game, but now he's really trying to go the straight and narrow, yeah. trying to leave the party thing behind. But sometimes it's like the old gunslingers. You know, it's hard to leave that alone. Now, are you, have you ever been married? Yeah. Are you married now? No. Uh, how long were you married for? Uh, four years, which looks good on the resume. Nice. <laughs> who, 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 who is she? She was an actress, and she's actually deceased now. She died of breast cancer. Oh, sorry. Sorry to be a downer. I mean, Damn. we can pep, pep it back up, though. All right. So, uh, okay. Uh, what, what did you think of that interview, CB? I think Patrick's very MMA intelligent. You know, for a guy, he's been around a long time. Uh, like he said, replaced a guy to fight Tito Ortiz that night. Was like, I don't even know if I should beat him because he's the poster child. At the same time, he was supposed to fight Marvin Eastman that night, which would have been a, a leather slang in war. Yeah. Um, very intelligent. Always liked watching him fight. I agree that he, I think he could have beat Silva yeah. until he blew out his knee and yeah. always liked Patrick. Real good guy in person. And yeah. yeah, such a good guy. Such a good guy. In fact, I remember there was a fighter who got mad at me when I was roasting them and I, and I was apologizing and I was like, Hey, I'm so-, when I first started doing MMA roasted, I was like, Hey, I'm sorry if I offended this fighter. And he DM me going, you better keep that shit up. He goes, don't ever apologize. You make me laugh every fucking day. You better not apologize for making jokes. And I was like, man, the fucking the fact that Patrick Cote is telling me to, to keep it up. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, this guy's a fighter. He, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's true. I mean, the power of laughter is, is so, you know, and, and that's the thing about like, I never saw people get offended by comedians because, <laughs> because the goal is to make you laugh. That's the goal. And you may not, you may not, you may not achieve the goal. Most of the time, you don't. For yeah. every ten jokes you write, three work, mm-hmm. which means seven of them don't work. And that's when you're doing really well as a comic. Hey, it sounds you, like your Tinder profile too. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Listen, fucker. Okay. Uh, now uh, back to Quadros, though, because we got you in studio, Steven Seagal. Uh, you worked with him on Exit Wounds. Mm-hmm. Is he legit? Because uh, when I was growing up, I thought Steven Seagal was like. A human weapon could beat all these people up. Complete badass. And then as I got older, people were like, "It's it's it's all a big lie. He's not exactly who he was. Mm-hmm. It, this whole thing is a myth. Hapkido doesn't work." And now he's sort of making a mockery of himself. Aikido. Uh, Aikido. Aikido doesn't work. Now he's kind of walking out with fighters. Like I had heard, he asked John Jones to walk out with him for a fight, mm-hmm. and John Jones said, "No, I've never met you in my life." And then he got mad at John Jones. So, mm-hmm. but. Tell us, you you worked with them, you mm-hmm. train with them. Is it is he legit? I don't know if the martial arts that he does would do well in the octagon. I'm thinking maybe it wouldn't because you know the singularity of Aikido is just that one dimension. We used to see that in the very first UFCs and pr- prior Valley Tudos in Brazil, where a karate guy and a horse dancer come out there against a wrestler, and the wrestler take him down and lay on him or whatever. But working with them, 
when we were on the set, I was training DMX and a couple of his guys at, at this giant airplane hangar. We were in Toronto. We were going to film exit wounds. We were out there maybe a month and a half before we were going to start you know, rolling cameras. And then Steven Seagal showed up. And at the time, I was the lead commentator for Pride Fighting Championships with Boss Rutten. And I had the Shootbox t-shirt on. It was an old school one. Yeah. It said, Valitudo Muay Thai Shootbox. And it looked like fight. <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, there's Steven Seagal. About a day before we saw him, everybody said, did you bring your cup? I said, no, I don't drink coffee. He said, no, 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 your cup, like training, for, you know, to protect your, <laughs> your, your nuts, right? Yeah. And so I said, no, we're not going to do any sparring. And he said, but Steven Seagal kicks guys in the balls. Somebody, yeah. somebody told me that. I said, really? I said, no. I thought, well. So I see him. He's over there working out with a couple of his maybe black belts, and they're doing Aikido demonstration, doing wrist locks and you know, throws and stuff like that. So I wait. So it looks like they're dispersing, and I went over there, and I and I said, "Hey, how you doing?" And I'm I'm standing kind of like in a side stance, yeah, not a not a fighting stance at all. I'm just standing. I'm not squared up to him, and he kind of moves to where he's squared up with me, and then I kind of move like 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 this. Yeah, yeah. People, people can't see you, but okay. Moves, yeah, you know, but but I'm right. I'm, I'm just show, showing you. Yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden, I'm thinking, wait a minute, is he trying to set me up? No. Am I being paranoid? So we had a discussion about Sakuraba because somebody also told me he had a student that said he could, or Stephen said he could beat Sakuraba. And Sakuraba at the time was at the height of his powers. Yeah. We're talking about Stephen's 2000. student could beat Sakuraba. That's what, that's what the word was. And I said, hey, you know, we could, you know, help, I can help you set that up. And we kind of changed the subject somehow. But uh, yeah, I never got hurt on the movie with him, but the producer Joel Silver who did Lethal Weapon and a bunch of really big movies he was really worried that Steven Seagal was not going to lose enough weight to look good on camera no because I heard from people that have worked with Steven Seagal not just hearsay like I know I'm not going to out who told me this okay because I'm sure they still want to work with him but that he hurts his stunt partners that he goes too hard on his stunt partners he 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 physically injures his stunt partners have you ever heard that I have heard that before, and I've heard, of course, the Gene LaBelle story, and yeah. which was the other way around, where he actually didn't get hurt. He got choked out. But um, I, there was a couple guys that got hurt on the movie. Uh, I think one of them, they were doing a fight scene. I wasn't there, so I didn't see what, what happened. But uh, you know, he hit his face on the car window, and it broke. And it wasn't breakaway glass. But there was, a, there was another thing where DMX, he got DMX in a, in a submission hole before they became partners and friends. And, yeah. and I, think, I think DMX, who was... Martial arts was his second, maybe third, maybe fourth language. It wasn't. He wasn't like he was training all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though I was trying to train him and just learn some basics. Yeah. But I think he got popped in a little bit, not major. But sometimes these things happen. I mean, one time I worked. So what did with, DMX do when he got popped? Did he score off against Steven Seagal? No, it was just like they took a break. Okay. Now, it, what was it like working with DMX? That was amazing because well, when I first met them. Uh, my my friend who originally had the job, Dominic Vandenberg, who got gangs in New York. So he called me up and said, hey, uh, you want this job? I said, yeah, sure. Boom. So I fly up there and I'm working with them. And he said, they're probably not going to pay any attention to you. They're going to be on their phones. They're going to be you know, trying to get women, whatever, the whole time. So I'm there. So I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going to work out. So we're in this giant airplane hangar. Isaiah Washington, uh, Michael Jai White was on the movie. Uh, so I'm holding mitts for Michael Jai. And so I start working out. And so they start coming over and go, how do you? Show me how to throw that right hand like that. Show me how to boom, 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 boom. So I started to train them. And then DMX got interested. But he really wanted to learn how to grapple. Yeah. So I told, showed him how to get out of the mound, how to, you know, work your guard, how to, you know, not anything really sophisticated like yeah. Peruvian neckties or something like that. Yeah. Or, you know, single, you know, wizard double leg takedowns or whatever. But he was really cool to me. And so I ended up hanging out with he and his posse. <laughs> 
<laughs> every night. That's awesome. Around Toronto, yeah. And so I, I didn't smoke weed there. Around all Toronto. Sm- so around it's Toronto. you in Toronto, and uh, yeah. the, now they, they, they're smoking weed every they're night. Constantly. They're, they're drinking. Yeah. Chicks everywhere? Everywhere. And now, are any of them hitting on you? No, I, I was, you know, I already had a couple <laughs> girls that I was, you know, seeing at the time. There one girl was an Indian, uh, you know, she was living up there from, from India, actually a couple of generations. But it was really, he was really wonderful to me. He wanted me to go on tour with him. But here's what happened. <laughs> listen, listen to this. So you were, you were almost in Kiss. Now you're, you're, practic- <laughs> you're, you're, pra- you're practically in with the Rough Rider crew. No, I'm, I'm hanging with him every night. Yeah, but yeah. but here, here's what happened. So I'm thinking the MTV Music Awards is coming up and he's the headliner. Right. He's above Britney Spears at that time in 2000. So I'm thinking, man, I don't want to go. There's going to be so many fine chicks up there. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah. So his head of security, this guy, Ben, who's a former cop in Atlanta, who's now on tour and on salary with DMX, says, Steve, you know, we want you to go with us. I said, all right, great, fantastic. He said, just watch my lead. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, there's some rappers that don't like X. Oh, and all of a sudden, God. I'm thinking yep. Tupac. All of a sudden, I'm thinking Biggie. All of a sudden, I'm starting to get nervous. I'm, and he goes, we're going to buy you a black suit. I'm thinking, dude, it's going to be a sea of black. <laughs> and then this little speck of white, and that's me. And bam, I thought... I started getting terrified. I thought, yeah. I don't want to get fucking killed. Yeah. You know, I mean, a gun is a gun. I wanted to go to New York because it was New York. And so X no-showed. So he didn't do the award show? He didn't, he didn't even go. He didn't go. He's the headliner. He was headlining the advertiser at the beginning of the show, and I'm, I'm sitting was there he, watching I mean, did you see, it. Was he doing crack? Or, I mean, back don't then? Don't know. I, I mean, did, I, I have no did idea. Did they ask you to step in for him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been now, where did you politically grow, now, where incorrect. Now, where did you grow up? I was born in Santa Cruz and grew up in California, but graduated high school in Salinas. And oh, nice! Yeah. Now and then I was I was looking at all some of some of the other stuff. So you were uh, the IFL commentator, right? Now, which I used to love the IFL. It was the teams. Yeah. Uh, my friend Connor Hewn fought. I got it. Actually, my boxing instructor Peter Kalshevik uh, fought in the IFL. Peter was uh, his MMA record was like one in twelve. Wow. Uh, but <laughs> he was impressive. actually, but he was a great Thai boxer. He was just. He was 48 when he got into MMA, uh-huh. but he but he was a great. I actually had the world champion Muay Thai, but just mm. uh, it was a great guy. Uh, maybe he had been punched a little bit too much, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But did you know back then that like someone like Ben Rothwell in the IFL was gonna like? Does that surprise you at all that he's doing so well now? No, because I was was impressed with Ben. I was always impressed with Roy Nelson, who they had that classic fight, which I thought Roy had won, but then they gave it to Ben. And then they have a lot of fighters who got through, go through the... But those two guys, I think, did the best in the big show of the UFC. The funny thing is, there was a time where they brought Boston. It was me and Kenny Rice at the beginning. doing the, the He was doing the play-by-play, and I was doing the color commentating. Then we brought Boston because, well, they put two and two together. Hey, Boston, Steven used to work together, yeah. and they made this dynamic team. So they put us on either side of Kenny. And in the earpiece... When the, the audience doesn't see this when we're doing the opening of the show, he said, give your prediction on the super fight between Pat Miletic and Hensel Gracie. So they, they say that to us, and the audience doesn't see this. So, goes, so Kenny turns to Boss and says, Boss, what do you think? Who do you think is going to win? Boss gives a politically correct, well, they're both tough. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. And so he comes to me. And I said, well, I think because of the wrestling and the boxing, I think Pat Miletic is going to win. The next show, I'm in the lobby of the hotel. And I hear this, Steven Cuadros. <laughs> hey, and it's Henzo. And he's pissed. He's, he's pissed, pissed at me really because pissed. I predicted against him. Yeah. And he's an old friend of mine. And he goes, Steven Cuadros, I, you, I want you to let me know who you pick so I can pick the other guy. And I'm thinking, he's getting hot. I mean, I'm just. Yeah. And so I looked to him and I said, Henzo, I think you know me. You know me a long time. You know I'm going to tell it as it is. He goes, I'm just busting your balls, my friend. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, by the way, no, CB knows everything. But I mean, who won that fight? Between Henzo, Henzo and Pat Miletic. Uh, I'd have to look. Oh, fuck. Uh, Who won the fight? 
It was uh, Henzo Gracia via a flying guillotine, meaning he just jumped guard yeah, yeah, into yeah. him standing up and, and guillotined him while he was standing up because Pat had a really bad neck, didn't tell anybody. But as soon as he jumped in and got the guillotine, it was like too much pain. Now, there was oh. a rumor that you and Joe Rogan got into a fight at a bathroom or at a strip club. Mm-hmm. Uh, that rumor has been going on for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that happen? Never. Never. It never happened. I remember one guy, you know, some troll site, he sent me, he sent me an email and tried to yeah. get him to uh, make a comment. I said, a comment on what? This never happened. <laughs> you know, I mean, in, in a fantasy, somebody trolled somebody and it became this legendary urban myth. Right. And then somebody actually believed it. And I, I don't know, but it, Joe didn't start it. I didn't start it. It was some troll and somebody took the bait on that. Okay. All right. So you heard it here, guys. It never happened. Never happened. Okay. So Sorry to be, there's no Santa Claus. Sorry, guys. Now, uh, you were on the Damn show it. Murder, She Wrote. Yeah. Did you bang Angela Lansbury? No. <laughs> and if I did, I would never tell you. So I'm, I'm going to leave that one hanging. Uh, uh, and well, then, all right. So now I also read that you were actually <laughs> in a, uh, a heavy metal band with the drummer from Quiet Riot. No. The guitar player for Quiet Riot. Quiet Riot. I was the drummer. Oh, you were the drummer. I was you the drummer. You were the guitar yeah. player for Quiet Riot. Carlos Cavazzo, and, and actually, their biggest hit, Bang Your Head. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. That was a snow song, the band we were in before Quiet Riot. But the thing is, is that we ran out of you know options. They, they were only signing punk rock back. I thought bands. Come Feel the Noise is their biggest hit. Well, maybe, but Bang Your Head's Bang a pretty head, big... Yeah, very that's big the name head. of the album. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean... So you wrote that song? No, the band Snow, we did. Tony Cavazzo, Carlos's brother, who gets credit on the Quiet Right song, right. he wrote the riff. He, I remember when he brought that riff into, you know, way before we there was a Quiet Riot and Carlos. You guys were called Snow because of the cocaine you guys did, or...? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly why. Was John right. Jones your biggest groupie? <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't born yet. <laughs> now, then... Uh, Gene Simmons saw your band. No, he saw me do a drum battle. Carmine Appice was a famous rock and roll heavy metal drummer in Vanilla Fudge, Cactus, Rod Stewart, Ted Nugent, whatever. He had a drum battle. And I thought, man, I'm going to go in. I'm going to win this thing. But they had all these collegiate drum major type guys. So I thought, wow. Out of 32, I came in eighth. Great. But they videotaped it. And it was like, you know, thick, big, it was like 1979 or whatever it was. So they gave the videotape to Gene Simmons and he fast forward scanning, of course. And I did this thing where I fixed my hair, I had big hair. Yeah. I was fixing my hair while I was playing the solo. And she go, wait, wait, who's this guy? <laughs> Back it up, get this guy. So they flew me to New York and I was sitting in the rehearsal studio the day of the audition. And at the time, no one knew the identity of the band Kiss it was because they used to be, you didn't know who they were. They yeah. had their makeup and there was a mystery. So they come out of the, the, the hall. I can hear them playing. And this big tall guy with the big bushy hair, I go, that's probably the bass player. And the skinny little black chick with a t-shirt on. So he walks up to me, goes, Stephen Quadros. I go, yeah, hey, Gene, nice to meet you. And he goes, this is Diana. And I go, it was Diana Ross, his girlfriend at the time. Wow. And he said, listen, I've got to run and take care of some stuff. Why don't you guys just catch up a little bit? So I'm sitting there with Diana Ross before I'm going to go audition with, like, going, why? And she's going, so where are you from? You know, I'm thinking, wow, it was just amazing. Went in. But Diana was sweet? Super sweet, Diana She was so freaking nice. It was so nice. What did you guys talk about? We just talked about, you know, where are you from? And I, I just told her, hey, you're, you're, you're amazing. You're like, your songs, I love your music. You know, she's a phenomenal singer and just, a, you know, a big, big superstar. Yeah. Then it was time to go in there. I walk in, Ace Freely looks like he's hungover, right. for sure. And so I, I walk in there, and I, I tune up the drums for a while. 
first song is a song called Detroit Rock City. And I don't know if you yeah, know anything. This song is such a smashing song. I was ready because I trained because I had like six weeks to get ready for this thing. Right. So I trained like an Olympic athlete. I and mean, I wanted to go in there and just blow everybody away. So I'm just, and we do this big ending. Oh, bam. Yeah. And then Ace Freely, Ace Freely turns to me and goes, you're definitely a contender. So my heart's <laughs> going boom, boom, boom. Wow. I'm thinking, man. And so the next song was some other song. And then I had to sing a song. Why? Because, no, because, because Peter Chris, the drummer, was a lead vocalist as well. Uh, and he s- sang one of their biggest hits. Beth? Yes. Yes. And so I had to sing a song called Black Diamond. And you've got to be oh. joke. Right. Exactly. Great song, though. Great song. Right? You're like the CB Gold of But shit. it's not an easy vocal line. <laughs> no, I mean, no, you, no, 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 no. You've got to be Joe Cocker to pull the shit off. Yeah. And so I, I'm pulling the mic in. Now, okay, something happened before then. After the second song, I hit the snare and it caught it in midair and dropped it. You know, oh, you on, dropped on the, it. Yeah, no, I, I, I hit the cymbal and, oh, and ended the song. You're killing it. <coughs> I am. Gene Simmons turns to me and goes, balance, balance the stick on the tip of your nose. <laughs> what? I said, what? He goes, give me the stick. So he takes the stick and he points it straight up in the air and scrunches up his nose and is going like this and balances it. And I thought, wow, I don't even try. But I throw one up, catch me on my back, throw the other one, catch me on my back, throw both of them up, catch me. And then he looks at me and goes, okay, wise guy, now we're going to do Black Diamond. I said, and you don't want to hear any excuses, do you? He goes, no, we don't. And so I gave up my best shot, not really being a singer. Yeah. And flying home, there was another guy who looked kind of like a rock and roll. had the same little 70s haircut like me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm a drunk. You're a drummer. All right. Oh, you tried it for Kiss. And he said, you want to get high. We're on a plane, so it was, uh, you know, yeah. I basically slept all the way home. Right. You know, and that was and then, it. Oh, man. That's $350,000 in the late 70s trial salary to start per year. Wow. Per year. Uh, and then who, who, who got the part? A guy named, uh, oh, God, I don't remember, but he passed away from cancer. Uh, was this after Peter Chris? Yes. Uh, yeah. Wasn't it um, Tommy Thayer? No, no, no. I I know the guy who's the, the, the drummer now. Who is the? Freaking guy that got the gig. He was a good singer. No, I'm sorry. I'd have a dartboard if I were you. He's throwing darts in his head every day. I just Eric Carr. Eric yeah, Carr. Yeah, Eric yeah, Carr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. By the way, Joe Jaggy, if you're listening, I want a Photoshop of Steve Quadros and Kiss, okay? Uh, <laughs> I, I want that immediately. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. Uh, by yeah. the way, because my, 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 my dad managed Alice Cooper. Him and Shep Gordon managed Alice Cooper back in the 60s and 70s. Oh. And I, I actually ran into uh, Gene Simmons at the award show, at the MA Awards. Uh-huh. He, he actually- This me, year? No, no, three years ago. It was pretty funny because he goes, I'm a huge fan of Royce Gracie. And he was so, and then his kid was like, dad, it's Hoist. Like during the speech, and he was beating himself up over it he was like really upset about it like but anyway so i go i go gene you know um nice to meet you my my dad managed uh, alice cooper and he goes i'm sorry (laughs) 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 that was that but it was funny because kiss was like i mean alice was a huge influence on kiss God, yes, i mean they just basically took alice for four people with with paint and everything as opposed to one okay would you have gotten to choose your own makeup or you would have had to like i we didn't even get that far but something else happened okay maybe about six years ago a friend of mine was playing cards at night and gene simmons was in the game and so he goes, hey, you know, I'm in MMA. And, uh, you know this guy named Stephen Quadri? He said he tried out for Kiss. And Gene Simmons apparently said, now there's a guy with an ego. I thought, hmm, pot and kettle, wow. He said, uh, you have an ego? Yeah, yeah. Gene Simmons says, you have an ego. Yeah, he said, no, the guy said, I know Stephen Quadri. He tried out for Kiss. And Gene said, there's a guy with an ego. Oh, 
I thought, dude, you remember me? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have an ego at all. I, I, I don't know. I, every time I hung out, if with I get you, angry, I do. I've hung out with you at these comedy shows. You come to my show afterwards. You hang out with everybody. You're the most down to earth guy. That's why when I was looking up you, I was like, holy shit. I didn't even realize all the stuff you've accomplished in your life. I mean, you could have a, people have done a lot less than you, Steve. I'm writing a TV show right now, oh, but good. that's a whole other situation. Oh, good, man. Make it. Yeah. It's you... taken a while. It's like, dude, I want to do it Vince Gilligan style where you write the whole thing yeah. and then give it to the network and they go, oh, this is all six seasons. What well, about the is seven? there anything like, I mean, stuff you've done in the past. You also were in a band with the guy from Deadwood? Yeah, Earl Brown. Now, uh, do you watch Deadwood? I don't watch Deadwood. CB, no. you watch Deadwood? Oh. Yeah, that that was a fun bound. Sacred Cowboys, you know. And we it was, we also had an Academy Award nominated filmmaker as one of our guitar players, Peter Spire, who's in at the White House right now working some deal with President Obama. I don't know what he's doing, but it was like a you know a bunch of guys, big players at different things, and I was Mr. MMA guy. And they, they, none of those guys are fight fans either, so they're going, "You think you're tough? <laughs> you think you're bad? Uh, no, I just." I like the game, you know. Now uh, on a, on a different thing. Now uh, you were on uh, a movie called CIA Code Alexa, where you fought OJ Simpson. Right. Uh, did you have any idea he was going to commit double murder uh, when you fought OJ? Okay, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> we're doing a fight scene. I'm a bad guy. Whatever. I always play the bad guy. The guy, blue eyes and cheekbones. Great. It works. So OJ's there, and OJ's this big star at that time. It's before everything went downhill for him. Yeah. And we had a fight scene. I jump on his back. I don't get him in a rear naked choke, but I get him in this kind of thing. And he steps aside and does a Bruce Lee elbow to the solar plexus, back fist to the face, which is a standard old school martial art move. So we do the, the take maybe four or five times. We're doing coverage over the shoulder, over the shoulder, you know, master, and then a close up and this and that. And OJ's done. He didn't want to do it anymore. And the director said, one more. OJ gets angry. OJ elbows me and then whacks me full power right in the face it would have broke hit me on the nose i would have had to get new headshots and so i i'm stunned i, I he almost knocked me out so i'm standing stand there and he freaks out he looks at me oh my god I'm so, but i kept going with the fight scene we finished the fight scene and then he says dude i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i said it's okay i thought it was bleeding because he really hit me hard like right in the cheekbone and he goes but you stepped into it yeah right i said no i didn't <laughs> No, I didn't. I'm, I'm looking at him. I'm thinking, this is O.J. Simpson, a big star. And I, I thought, I'm, no, I'm getting angry. I'm thinking, oh, God, don't get fucking angry, man. And I'm thinking, I'm not a punching bag. And if he does it one more time, I'm going to find that bad knee with the sidekick. Yeah. But then the director said, moving on. Oh, okay. You know, but the, the, the funny thing was is that a former friend of mine, years later, about a year and a half later, said, hey, Stephen calls me up. And she said, remember that story you told me about O.J.? I said, yeah. I said, we got you on the alternate witness list for the trial. Really? Yes. No way. Oh, way. And so I'm thinking, and I said, I thought, it's going to be televised. I thought, no, no, no. I'm not going to be in this freaking trial. My, it was an accident, <laughs> whatever. I don't want some, you know, Louis Farrakhan wannabe sniper looking at me, you know, pointing at That's you know, crazy. I thought, nah. And then Cato becomes a big star. I thought, what if I did the trial? No. <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want to be famous for that. Exactly. That's but exactly pretty, what But I it's did. funny how he like, OJ does something. You could tell he acts on anger and then tries to blame you. Uh, okay. Well, here's what happened. The look on his face right after he hit me in the middle of the fight scene where I, I, I went back. I saw stars. I mean, he almost knocked me out. Yeah. Um, he looked, he had this look on his face. Have you ever seen the, the movie The Wolfman where the guy actually realizes he's the werewolf? And he, he freaks out. He had that kind of look. On yeah, his face. well, he's, I mean, I'm watching that show. You watching that show right now? 
The OJ Simpson uh, on FX. Nah. You watch. It is the greatest. Who's playing Cuba Gooding? Jr. Cuba Gooding. It and is... I worked with him. Really? What did you work with him on? You want me to play the commercial? I did a national Super Bowl commercial where it, I got to show it to you. It's, it's why we're Reservoir Dogs. I'm the leader of this gang. We come up. It's, it was during the Super Bowl in like '98 or wherever wow. it was. Dude, forget and, Kevin Bacon. You were like connected with everybody. <laughs> yeah. He's got like the best story. Like, like, I knew it. Two degrees. Honestly, I hung out with him for ten minutes uh, after the show, and I'm like, dude, I got to get this guy in the podcast. Like, but, Jesus Christ. Two degrees but, but of Stephen Quadros. If you're not watching that, you could watch it on in demand. This OJ. Simpson, it's the people that made American Horror Story. The yeah. one guy, it, it is unbelievable. And yeah. it's every Tuesday. And it's one of those things where, like, you get spoiled now with Netflix and with uh, Hulu, where you can watch the whole series and it, where you have to yeah. wait every week. I look forward to every Tuesday at 10 o'clock. Yeah, I know. Because I'm going to watch this. Isn't Travolta in that too? Travolta, uh, he produced it and he's in it. He's playing mm-hmm. Robert Shapiro. Cochran's great. David Swimmer's great. Nathan Lane is great. Uh, Cuba Gooding's great. Uh, it just the, the list goes on. Uh, what's her name is great as uh, as Chris Jenner, Selma Blair. Uh, mm-hmm. It just goes on. Now, yeah. uh, the chick that you hooked up with, Tracy Lords, <laughs> right? So she was a porn star at one point, right? Wasn't she yeah, a porn star? Yeah, it was her second legit film when I worked with her. Second, and now were you the lead in the film? Yeah. So it was you and her. Yeah. Did you now? What happened there? Tell us the truth. You banged Tracy Lords, didn't you? No. You tried. She was in a serious relationship. She was engaged, so I left it alone. But oh. it was it was like torture because it was like she was so smoking hot on the set, twenty two years old or whatever she was, and just drop dead gorgeous. And she would look at me with this cocky look. Everybody in the world had already <laughs> pardon the pun. Stuck. Why are you okay? She she would look at me with this look, and I, I would and I got a smirk on my face all the time when I'm yeah. around somebody like her. So I'm thinking. Hmm. So she, one day in, on the set. She came up and just slugs me in the stomach, and she could hit a little bit. Yeah. You I stepped into it. <laughs> <laughs> I Bang. You, and I said, well, why did you do that? He goes, you think you're funny, don't you? And so it was like really- Very flirty. It was, it was amazing because she was the lead, and I was the bad guy that was going to try and get her before I get sent back to Satan type thing. Yeah. And it was, it was a lot of fun. She was wonderful. She's a really wonderful lady. I remember uh, I watched the E! True Hollywood story on her, and it was talking about how like- she was in acting class. She was in like Lee Strasberg and people were just, she was so sexualized at like age 18 set that people couldn't even be in class with her. They were like, what? They just could just, so something about her. What, what's she doing now? Is she, she's still working as an actress. She's married. She's got a couple kids. I mean, I, we're in touch occasionally on, on Twitter a little bit, you know, and, and see, I just have a lot of respect for her because she made that transition because a lot of people don't, once they go into adult, you know, life, adult filmmaking, they don't make the transition into legit and then become family people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember she was on Melrose Place. That was like, yeah. she did Melrose Place. Everyone was like, She did a Melrose movie with Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Depp. She did a movie with it. Uh, oh, right. What was that? Was it Cry Baby? Was that was the movie? Yes. She did Cry Baby. Right. You see that? I have I I I can't remember where I put my keys. I can't remember where <laughs> this, but I'll know that she was in Tracy Lords and Crybaby. If that was the movie. Uh, now uh, we got to talk about a couple things. First, I want to thank our sponsors again. Tip a fighter. Listen, fighters are underpaid. We can make a difference. We can get these people paid. Also, uh, so go to tipafighter.com at tipafighter. Bubba Jenkins is fighting in two weeks. Okay, <laughs> hook Bubba up with some cash. Tipafighter.com. Tip a fighter. Also, D. Cypher. They've recently raised the bar for management in professional sports. The firm represents fighters assisting with contract negotiations, public relations, managing your fan base, and obtaining sponsorship. Everything you need taken care of while training for your next fight. So, not only do they provide that next level comprehensive management support, they'll have to keep more money than any other agent or manager out there. You can keep more money. 
all while offering one-on-one mental coaching. So, uh, decipher.com, di-cipher.com. Now the fights this weekend. You and OJ. Wow. I'm right now Steve is telling a picture of you and OJ Simpson. We have a major update on the fights this weekend. I don't know if you uh, tell saw. Me. What is it? The Bellator fight tomorrow night. Yeah. Title fight is off. Uh, okay. Marcos Galvao came down with an illness. He was throwing up the yesterday, uh, yesterday. They were waiting to see how he felt. He says he can't fight. So Galvao Dantas is off the card. So now it's Czech Congo versus it's, who? It's uh, Czech Congo. I think it's I think his name is Vinicius Quiros. Okay, something like that. And um, yeah, big shot to the card. That was all right. What else? That was depressing. Um, I mean, there were two the the U not for this weekend, but there's two UFC fights that got announced for that Amsterdam card they were talking about. Okay. Um, the main event is Alistair in his home against Andre Arlovsky. I like Alistair all day. You, Quadros? What's that? I like over him all day. Yeah, I think so, because uh, he, he can take a bit of a shot and he can deliver one at Orlovsky the other way. It doesn't work. Right. So, I mean, I, I, Alistair is a really, really tough guy. In Amsterdam, please. Yeah. He's too big. Yeah. Right? I mean, he's just such, such a big dude. K1 champion. K1 champion. Now, this week's fight. So, uh, Anderson Silva versus Michael Bisbing. I know that Cote talked about it. We have not spoken about it. Quadros, who do you like? I like Bisping in this fight. I think Bisping is going to exploit everything about Anderson. I think Anderson's going to dance around for a, a good bit of the time. But Bisping is probably going to get him into double overhooks, take him down, you know, get on top of him and, and beat him up on the ground. Uh, as far as the stand-up, you know, at distance, that theoretically that's where Anderson was dangerous. But I haven't, we haven't seen that since he came back with Nick Diaz and whatnot. So I don't think that he's still got that... I don't, I don't want to say juice anymore, but sorry. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I don't think he's still got the, the pizzazz that he once well, had. Juice because of OJ or because steroids? There's two juices right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I think Bisping, it's like, it's like I think Tyler said. No, no, Cote said that Bisping was probably the best fighter in the UFC who never won a title. I agree with that. I think Bisping beat Chael Sonnen when they did. I, I thought it was a bad decision. you know. And I think that if this is his time, and I think he should get a title shot if he wins. I also feel bad for Bisping because of all the guys he fought that have tested positive for stuff when he, after he fought them. Even the guys he beat, like Kung Lee. I don't care what you guys say. I know it wasn't technically... There was no way that guy was not on something. Look mm-hmm. at his physique. You don't all of a sudden become... Shrek at age forty, uh, <laughs> and, but you and you look at these guys. I mean, the guys that he that that Bisbang has fought. Uh, the guys that he Vitor fought, Belfort, he fought all the TRT guys, Vitor Belfort, Vanderlei Silva, Ben Henderson, Dan, Dan Henderson, Henderson mm-hmm. Dan Henderson. I mean, Chael. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's four now. Uh, CB, who do we like, Bisbang or? Uh, I'm still gonna go with Anderson. I mean, I like Bisbang a lot because you met him two days ago. No, I've met Bisping countless times too, and he's always been cool to me. I like both guys in the fight. Like I said the other day, Bisping's never lost in the UK. He's trying to bring that in. He was trash talking. And I think, you know, the thing I like about Bisping and the way he fights, which is perfect for the Anderson uh, fight, is a lot of guys years ago, they'd be like, oh, I'm fighting Anderson. Uh, and they get a little nervous because he's flashy and he moves around and they don't want to get inside. I don't think like Bisping is worried about But you're about picking that. Anderson though, you said. No, 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 I'm saying, but I think Bisping will try to get inside and do do hit his shots and and pump his jab, find his range. I just I don't know. I for many years I counted Anderson out of every fight and now I I feel like he might 
have a little bit in him to prove one more. Going for the belt is a little bit of a stretch. But Bisping's been wanting this fight for four years. Said he's got something for him. And I think... I think this is the, this was a great fight to make. I think it's going to be a good fight. I just I feel like Anderson can pull it off. If Bisping can get him down, Anderson's got to work off his back. But I don't even know if Bisping's going to try and take him down. You also listen to our podcast, by the way, because he'll text me sometimes. Like, yo, great podcast said that, which is hilarious. That like Bisping's listening to us. Like, no disrespect to Titan FC fighters, but we're interviewing like guys who are one and zero or zero and zero, and Bisping actually cares enough to to listen to that. So I got to give him credit, Steve. Uh, Anderson Silva should have a significant following in England because I used to commentate for a show called Cage Rage. And after he yeah. left Pride and had a couple losses and everybody thought, okay, that's done with him, he built himself back up before he fought Chris Lieben in the UFC. So he's got a significant following in the UK. So it won't be like just a bunch of people who say, oh, the English guy, because Anderson has a following there. So but not as big as Bisping. No, probably not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course not, because he's natural born. But still, it's not like Anderson's just nobody never yeah, fought there. He used to fight there a lot. Him. Tyler? Uh, I like... I like Bisping in this. I, I've always been a, a fan of Bisping. I like the way he fights. I like the... He throws a lot of combinations. He's a volume striker, and I know that's one of the things that people give him a, a hard time about is that he, ha- he has a hard time sitting down and throwing those power strikes. And, I mean, I don't know if you can, you're can you going to knock out Anderson uh, with the volume striking that he has, but I think it can add up. I think he's got good uh, in-and-out movement and stuff like that, too. I mean, obviously, Anderson does as well, but... Um, I think it, hopefully we get a good fight out of it. I would like to see Bisping win. I'm the same boat. I think he's been in the the UFC for a long time. I've been a fan. He's fought the best, and he's just I'd love to see him get a win and then maybe get a title shot. And because uh, he's kind of at that point where I think he's got this one last run. Maybe he's had problems with his eye. You know, uh, I'm, I'm picking Bisping too. I think that speed is the first thing to go. Power is the last. Anderson was so much quicker and more elusive than all these people. Uh, when he was knocking out Forrest Griffin and all those other crazy things he was doing. Now you look at like Roy Jones, kind of the same thing, where mm-hmm. he was just so much quicker. He was in a different dimension. Mm-hmm. But once that goes, being Anderson's now 40 years old, got busted for steroids. Uh, and a broken leg. And a broken leg. That, that gimp thing is not going to, it hasn't worked for the three guys I mentioned, Pele and Tyrone Spong and Anderson Silva. Tyrone Spong's still undefeated, right? In, uh, yeah, but he hasn't kickboxed since he broke his leg. And right. that was almost two years ago. Right. He's got it going into boxing now because probably he doesn't have that spring in his leg anymore. Well, he's going to MA. I think he's in MA, right? He hasn't fought in a while, though. He Tyler. was supposed to do WSOF. Uh, his first MMA fight was there. And then uh, he was supposed to go back and continue. But then he broke his leg. And, you know, I guess uh, him and Ray haven't come up on a deal yet. But yeah. that's a guy that before the leg break, I saw him at WSOF 1 live. And I watched him. And I was like, this guy's monster yeah, like, yeah this guy's yeah. gonna yeah. this guy's gonna hurt a lot of people yeah so i hope he can come back from it because he's a great fighter now musasi talos latus uh i like talos latus he's a guy who like i mean what an up and down career i mean mm-hmm. he's a guy who fought anderson silva i remember like i think he went five rounds against silva yeah uh, he did it was horrible yeah it was like a taunting match <laughs> he just he just kept dropping the guard and was like anderson come in my guard he's like dude get the fuck up what are you doing yeah, yeah, yeah. it was that was one of the ones that was the uh it was the, in the middle east yeah, yeah 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 that was one of the ones where dana was like what the fuck i think dana was worried that they weren't gonna get out of the middle east like, yeah. he's actually scared for like the life of all him and all the fighters gonna end up on cnn for the wrong reasons i understand that i've been to uh the middle east for uh military tours and like you go to Dubai, it's it's like Vegas there. I oh, mean, yeah. it's unbelievable. Yeah. People are getting drunk everywhere. Beautiful girls, a lot of escorts, but it's fun. 
But then you go to like, uh, not that I was getting the escorts, but I'm just saying they were, they were out oh, there. Yeah. Uh, but then you, I went to Saudi Arabia and I've never been more like, get me the fuck out of this country. In my, I mean, you're, there's religious police walking around everywhere, making sure that you're not disobeying the Quran. Right, so you're not cursing in public. You curse in public, you can mm. get like locked up for that. Then they had this public beheading called Chop Chop Square, where every Monday, if you stole something, they would chop off your arm or like that. That's their entertainment. Uh, I remember that meeting the um, there was all these hot Filipino nurses there, like beautiful, but they're all you, you can't, but you can't see them. But they, they love to go on the on the bases because the guy, the military guys, they love ABC. What's that? They're like alcohol, bacon, and cock because they can't get it anywhere else. Like it's banned in the country, alcohol, mm. bacon. But I wanted to get out of Saudi Arabia so quickly. Mm-hmm. So I understand why even though Dana was in, they were in Dubai or Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. He was, Abu Dhabi is pretty nice. Abu Dhabi and Dubai are probably the two places. I've been to Oman and uh, Kuwait. Dubai, they had a glory show. But one time we, we they had a tournament in Kuwait. And it was Pele, Carlos Newton, and uh, Matt Hughes. And Matt Hughes and Pele had a huge rivalry back then. Pat Milicic was there in the corner of uh, Dave Manet, who ended up winning the tournament. But there was this Russian guy that from Dagestan or wherever that they had set up and brought over like two weeks earlier to get over the jet lag and everything. And it was a situation where they had street signs that said, no crossing against the red light, punishable by prison or death. Yeah. It's crazy. It was like, okay, I'm not going to jaywalk. Yeah, yeah. no. It, I don't want to find out. It's crazy. If you, if you bring in a, a nickel bag, you're going to jail yeah. for life. Yeah. If you bring in any kind of, it, that's just, that's just, that's a crazy place that I never want to go back to, Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Did but you say nickel it. bag or nickel back? No, they, either. <laughs> <laughs> they, they love MMA over there. Abu Dhabi, they yeah. built that billion dollar arena just for uh, Anderson Maya. And in terms of Dana being pissed, that was the time with the latest fight and then the Maya fight. He said, Anderson, you keep these antics up, one more fight, win, lose, title or not, you're cut. And that's when it was kind of like, all right, I guess I got to stop messing around. Yeah. Uh, so who, uh, who do we like? We like Musa- I, I like Musasi in this fight. I think that Mus- I think Musasi loses to like the top echelon of guys, but I think he beats Talos Latis. I think uh, Talos Latis has really improved his striking, and that could be put him in Im- imminent danger in this fight because sometimes when you think, oh, I'll stand up with Musashi, Musashi is a K1 level kickboxer. Y- you don't want to really try it out. Forget about the, the Uriah Hall thing. You're not Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall can do the matrix moves and make it, make it work. I think that Musashi should be able to win this fight, but if Latis does it, he's going to set up his jujitsu with his striking. CB? I. I. I... I'm going with Talos Latis on this one. Really? I mean, like like Steven said, he's got improved striking. He's been looking good. He's been he was hitting dudes. He he fought uh Tom Watson and and was hitting him like crazy. I think uh if I'm not mistaken, he fought Tim Boach as well. Yeah. Um Talos is very talented. Gay guard, you never know if he's coming in good or not. The guy's face doesn't change ever. You never know. And he's like, yeah, he has resting uh, bitch face. He's he's very very talented. But it's like if it goes to the ground, Talos all day on the feet. I'm worried that Gay guard's been in there too long. Has taken big shots from big guys. But he was killing Uriah Hall's last fight until the second round. He got called that that street fighter A double A whatever. I mean, he lost to Jacare. Yeah, but who hasn't lost to Jacare? No, but he was Jacare was beating him on the feet. And then Gayard went for a takedown and guillotine out, and it, it was over. I mean, I like Gayard. He's very talented, but he's to me, and it's not because of his record, but this is—he's like a fifty-fifty fighter. You never know if he's coming in great. 
And if he doesn't come in great, he doesn't really show up. He's lost to four up. guys his whole career. How is he? 58? He's won like 32. How, what's his record? I just... I think he's lost like 30-some and six, I think. What? What is he? He's 37, six, and two. 37 wins, six, and two. You're calling him a 50 fighter? And what, no, not as not in terms of a record. But I'm just, talking you know, about yeah. he either comes in really good or he comes in where he's kind of But I feel like, like he loses to the upper echelon guys. I, like like we said, I mean, Uriah Hall, he was winning, but he you know he lost to King Mo, right? And didn't he lose to King Mo in Strikeforce? Uh, no, he lost to no. uh, Feijiao. Feijiao. Yeah. Um, Lutasi lost to Feijiao? No, no, King no, Mo. No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. He lost to King Mo, beat him at Strikeforce Strike Nashville yeah. for the title. And then Feijiao beat Mo. Right. So uh, who are we picking, Tyler? I like Musasi in this. Uh, I've been a fan of his, and I just uh, I, th- I think he's strong on the ground too. I mean, I know like latest, that's obviously where he wants to take it, but uh, uh, Musasi has got a lot of subs under his belt, so he's got a strong ground game too. So I mean, but I think if he keeps it standing, he'll. I think he gets him. Now Tom Breeze versus Nakamura. Uh, uh, Tom Breeze is undefeated, eight zero. Uh, retired Cathal Pendry. I know he's been ta- touted. He, he, he's been touted. He, he's really good. I have him beating Nakamura. Although Nakamura is a good fighter, he's he, he was been fought forever. Uh, Rivera against Brad Pickett. <sighs> Francisco Rivera. I, I like Francisco. This is going to be one of those fucking rock'em sock'em fights. Yeah. Hopefully not though, because mm. Rivera lost the last one to uh, who did he lose? Lineker. To he lost Lineker. to Lineker, but Pickett lost to Almeida. To yeah. lost Almeida, and I think with Francisco's power. I think he can finish Brad Pickett. I think the first round or most of the first round, I hope Francisco comes in there as he always does, sling and leather like crazy. And But I think he has the power to finish Brad Pickett. So you're picking uh, Rivera. I'm, I'm going with Cisco. Cisco's a friend of mine. I love Cisco. The guy is so nice. Padros? Uh, you know, Brad Pickett used to fight in Cage Razor. I, I saw him come up, and he was like that. basically that Brad uh, – Brad Pitt character in Snatch. That was his yeah. whole persona, yeah. right? The, the whole gypsy thing. Love he, that movie. And he embraced that. And it, it's it's a thing where usually when somebody asks me about a fight, I never pick who I think or hope will win. I think who I think will win. I never do it from the heart. But this is one where I, I got to say no comment because I know Brad and I don't know the other guy as well. So I'm just going to take the whisk card. All right. Uh, this is this is tough. I like both these guys. There, but I someone's going out. I think regardless, someone's going out. I'm worried about Pickett's. I like Pickett a lot. I, I, I'm a little worried about his chin because I feel like lately he's just taking some big shots. And, you know, and the more you get shut off, the more you get shut off. But, like, it's as a hometown boy, I hope he gets the win. I think the, these, it's going to be a banger. But either I'm, way, I think I'm picking Rivera out. because he's been on the podcast. If, if, uh, if, I could, if I could say something funny about Rivera real quick. Sure. First time I met him, I met him with a guy who worked for MMA Elite at the time. His name is Mike McLeish. Super cool guy. He works for uh, Cage Fighter now. And um, I met him with Cisco, and he goes, oh, you going to the fight because Cisco's fighting? I said, no, nah, I don't have tickets. He goes, um, I'll, I'll make you a deal. He said, you let Cisco hit you on the chin with one overhand right, and I'll put you cage side. Really? And I was standing there, and I'm like, are you crazy? I'm dumb enough to do it, but I was like, I guess. Yeah, and they were like, no, we can't really let Cisco hit you because you won't wake up in time for the fight. Yeah, seriously, that was a terrible idea. (laughs) It's free cage side tickets. I mean, You wouldn't be be alive. You you would knocked out. You You wouldn't remember what you saw. Yeah, that's a terrible... Terrible idea. But it's terrible a good story. Idea. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> yeah, story. But, I mean, maybe for UFC 196 tickets, but not for what? What was it? It was, uh, I think it was a tough finale. 
Uh, yeah. Mm. Something along those lines. Uh, now, our boy is fighting Amir Khani. Oh. If you don't know Amir Khani, he's been on the podcast twice. First time he got a blowjob during the interview. Uh, he really did. He had a girl that was blowing him Second time while like doing the interview. Chairs. Really? Second time he had two girls with him. Uh, this dude is the, the, he's the Finland. He's the king of Finland. They call him Mr. Finland. I love this guy. He called out Mike Wilkinson because Wilkinson beat his teammate. Uh, he's fighting this week. Amir Khani's not been very active. I don't know what's going on. I think, I know he actually switched camps, right? I think he went to Connor's camp. Um, is, did he go I think straight he, blast? I think he did. I think he, he actually left Finland. Uh, I love Amir Khani. Uh, he's a good dude. He's arrogant. He's funny. He's, he seems like a nice guy. He's getting tons of puss. He just talks about all the puss he's getting in Finland. You're right, and, by uh, the way. What? Straight blast in Ireland. Yes. Uh. He went to Connor's camp, which I think is only going to help him. Uh, he was already good. Amir Khani, all day long. Anybody have any uh, things you want to say? Have you ever gotten a blowjob during an interview? No. Um, all right. I've done it when I was Who's driving. the most famous chick you banged? I'm not. <laughs> I, I, most of the women I... I I uh, am with, I hope they're not famous because it becomes a big pain in the ass, you know. Have you made any fighters, chicks? No. Really? I tried. You tried? Who? Never mind. Gina Carano? No. Oh. Uh, first time I met Gina, I thought, oh my God, I'm I'm helpless. So I, I can't move. Why? She looked at me and just froze me. Really? Gina's really hot. Yeah, she's beautiful. Gorgeous. So super sweet, too. Man, she, she's got this look. When she looks at you. I mean, you, you, you're in the palm of her hand. Nice. Have, you, have you seen the Netflix and chill meme with her where she's like biting her bottom lip and the meme is like, if you're doing Netflix and chill and she gives you this look and you're just like, no, no. Before <laughs> she fought on the first elite XC show, we were at the elite XC um, press conference and I'm meeting all the people. I know a lot of them, but then there's Gina and she yeah. came up to me. I, I didn't know if she knew me or not, but she just looked right at me and she's looking right through you. And she has a degree in psychology, I think. Yeah. And so she's she's deep. She's she's wonderful. What about the Pride Ring girls? You didn't bang any of those? No. No Pride Ring girls? No. No Japanese chicks in Pride? No comment on that. Oh, because, I, mean, right. come on, I mean, come on. It's, it's Japan. So, you know, the funny thing is, is I had a relationship for most of the time, but we broke up right before the end. And then it so was... So you and Rampage went out and just... Well, and see, Rampage was on a whole nother level. He was a completely different guy. Rampage was the loosest, wildest. I had to basically, you can't do certain things to certain people because they're... they're you had to they, tell Rampage that? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, he, he was just too fun-loving and he, he was going to try and prank people they didn't really know. <laughs> that, were, that wore sunglasses all through the whole event and, no, don't prank that guy. Like, what did he do? No, he, he wouldn't. I'm going to go take that guy's hat off or something and I say, no, dude, you don't know him. <laughs> He may be from fifth generation of somebody who you don't even want to know about. Now, Randleman was saying back in the day he had some crazy stories about Pride. Uh, Pride was. Did you ever hang out with Randleman? Not that. I'm just in the lobby. See, the lobby in the Hilton Tokyo before the the death of Morishita, who was the president at the time of Dreamstage. Um, the lobby was the place. You just go down the lobby, and there was like be tons of chicks, be tons of people. Ton, me yeah. and Boss would be holding cords. Cracking everybody up. It was like a wild thing. And, and Randleman was down there saying, hey, you think you can block my shot? He said, no, Kevin, come on. You're Kevin Randleman. <laughs> yeah, come block on. his shot. Are you yeah. crazy? Forget it. You can't block a shot now. Yeah, right. Uh, now, exactly. as, now, as far as uh, as far as steroids, how many guys, because back then it seemed like everybody in Pride was on, was juicing. Mm-hmm. Did you guys, was it was it fully aware? Did you and Boz know who was and who wasn't? Or I've never seen anyone put a needle in themselves doing steroids. I'm not saying they didn't, right. but I never saw it. 
And plus, I never saw anybody come up to me and say, "Hi, Stephen Son, we are from the Yakuza. How are you?" And never, I never saw any of these kind of things happen. I'm not saying none of them didn't happen. Now, fixed fights. It seemed like Coleman and that one guy was a fixed fight. That did look bad. It did. You, I, did, I did, you, did you comment I, on that? Yeah, we 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 had to, we went into the studio and did all that whole show, and then we that fight comes up, and Boss looks at me like. Oh. <laughs> what do you do? We just had to call it like, you know, I mean, we didn't know. It just but didn't look because it was, was Coleman. It? It was Coleman, who else? Coleman and, and Takata. Takata. Because it seemed like Bob was like, all right, this is ridiculous. Like, he even said it during the fight. I was being a little bit on the sarcastic side. Who uh, would have thought that Nomohiko Takata would have caught Mark Coleman in a heel hook? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I just thought, what, what? I mean, you know, there was there were suspicions around that fight. I, did, I wasn't in a meeting where I saw somebody make a deal and give them. I, no, I. But it just you thought, wait a minute. But I, I don't know. And then what was the other one? The uh, there was a couple, a couple of Dan Severin. Right? What were the other ones that people thought might have been fixed? Was Dan a, Severin? Not Severin. Was a Bobish? Dan Bobish, the giant like butterbean looking dude. Wasn't the, Takata in another some other fights that were a little bit there shady? There was an Alexander Emelianenko fight where it looked like a like the Phantom that was punch. after me because I never commentated on one of his fights. Oh. So that was Moro. I probably or at least it was Damon, maybe what's the name. Damien Paris, the guy that succeeded me. There's a lot of there's a lot of good times with Pride, but it was just it it probably wasn't destined to hang on for any much longer. You know? Were you ever backstage during any of the like the the, uh, the brawls with the Hammer House guys? And- no, that's exactly what I wanted but to ask. The, I, uh. One time they almost had a brawl in the in the Hilton Tokyo lobby between Brazilian Top Team and Shootbox. Really? Yeah, it was like, man, it looked like it was going to happen. But between who? What, what else? Don't you get to say that. Tell us all. <laughs> set it up. Well, I mean, yeah, Vandalay and these guys were, yeah. And he had Arona, and they hated each other at the time. And it was like, th- there was smack talking. Pele was there. Um, Laborio, who's a very dear friend of mine, one of my longest time friends in the fight game, Ricardo Laborio, who runs yeah. American Top Team. Yeah. And, you know, so it was like they had this rivalry because there was a lot at stake. And it wasn't something like smack talk by the lines. You watch a pro wrestler when you were a kid and then you imitate him. Yeah. No, this was like they really believed this. You were going to. One time when I was in Brazil, Jose Pele Landi was going to find a rematch with a guy who beat him before, kicked his ass, called Joe Hill de Oliveira. And in the airport, and I didn't know any of these guys, these guys start barking at each other, yelling at each other, like, I'm going to kill you. And I thought, I'm in Brazil. I'm looking over my shoulder. I'm thinking, who's going to pull out? Is this going to be like Scarface? Yeah. Are you talking about I'm Maca- in Bra- Macaco? No. Oh, Joe not Oliveira. Not oh, Macaco. okay. This wasn't Macaco. I know. I know. I know he, he used to find Cage Rage too. Yeah. But no, this was Joe Hill. And Joe Hill kicked Pele's ass the first time. Macaco didn't beat Pele either time they fought. What, yeah. what, do you, what do you think of Shamrock's last fight against Hoist? That was like he, when he got kneed <laughs> oh, in the balls God. and went just, down five minutes later. Uh, I just well, it looked like. I mean, have you ever been hitting the nuts with a with a cup? Sometimes your your balls go up on the side of the cup, and you hit the cup barely, and you think it's smashed. Yeah. I don't know. I, it just it was a very anticlimactic fight. I still watched it. I, yeah. I, I confessed on social media tonight. I'm going to watch this. Yeah. There, I said now, it. Now, are you going to watch the upcoming super fight that everyone's waiting for? Dan Severin is taking on Ken Shamrock again in three weeks from now. It's March 20th in Paiute Golf Resort in, in Arizona. Vegas. It's a it's an, a full MMA Dan Severn versus Ken Shamrock. <laughs> I got to go with Severn in that fight. Uh, and then, I mean, but then what else? Who else on the card? Uh, you got Bisping and Sonnen in a grappling match. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Bisping and Sonnen in a grappling match. Uh, you have a wrestling match. That'll be good. Of Rey Mysterio and Kurt Angle, which is pro wrestling. <laughs> And for a hundred thousand dollars, which I'm still putting my my 
I'm putting my name in the hat for a hundred thousand dollars. You'll get paid to fight Roy Jones Jr. in a uh, boxing match. A, a fan. Oh, yeah, but they, they said they can't, that can't happen. If it's a fan, it's got to be a pro because I read on one of the sites today, they said that will not happen. The commission said Damn no. it. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. I, wanted, no, no, I was going to go no. in there and double leg him and collect my money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Roy Jones was one of the greatest. I, I mean, athletically, I think oh. he's the most athletic world champion boxer I ever saw of anybody. When he knocked out the guy with no hands, that was like the, the hands behind his back. Yeah, and that was one of the coolest things I ever he, seen. He did all kinds of stuff. I, I was a big Roy Jones fan. He got ripped off in the Olympics by the Korean guy. Yeah. He was like, whatever. So back to this uh, this card this weekend. Uh, Davy Grant is fighting Cheeto Vera. I it's nice a, to see Davy Grant finally back. Yeah, he yeah, he, he was in the Ultimate Fighter. He lost uh, to uh, Holdsworth. Well, he lost to Holdsworth in the finals. But I like Davy Grant. He hasn't fought since then. I guess he's been hurt. No, he was, yeah, he's been out. Just like Holdsworth. Holdsworth hasn't, you haven't seen him in a long time. Yeah, concussions. And, uh, and Norman Park. He's Love fighting, Norman uh, Park, he's fighting Rustam Kabalov, the guy who, who's a tough fighter. He actually has a win over uh, Masvidal. He has a win over our boy, Vince Pichel. Yeah, I was at that fight with Vince Pichel, and that was like three or four German suplexes, and Pichel was just like yeah, yeah, out. It, it, that was suplex city so who wins this suplex fight? city. Um, you know what? I like Norman Park. He's a tough kid, good striker. But I feel like Rustam is going to come back in. Get get a hold of him, and if he gets a hold of you, you're going down. Like you're going to the ground. It's there's there's no doubt about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, guys, we are going to wrap the show up. This has been a great show, though. I'm super happy we got Stephen on the show. Cote's been great. Uh, CB, you've been great. Uh, Tyler, you've been great. I will be next Thursday, ten o'clock at the Stratosphere. Uh, at the LA Comedy Club in Las Vegas. If you're going to the Nate Diaz, if you're going to be in Vegas, come hit me up. Uh, uh, come to the show. It's free. If you text, it'll be money at the door. But if you hit me up, I'll put your name on a list. You will get in for free. Uh, so hit me up for that. Also, every Tuesday night at the Dime Bar in LA, it's free. That's also free. Uh, I'm hosting every Tuesday at the Dime Bar on Fairfax. 442 Fairfax. Uh, there's tons of hot chicks there. I mean, just the hottest puss you've ever seen in your life will be there, okay? And why are you staring at my girl when you're saying this? Uh, yeah, well, that's the hottest girl you've ever seen in your life. Probably the only girl. Uh, but I'm just happy she's still alive. What about Listen, all the ones so, in my trunk? That's true, the ones in the trunk. So what do you got coming up, Stephen Quadros? Uh, just an acting class. Um, I got an audition tomorrow, but I don't want to talk about it but it's for something pretty decent you know something i'm kind of right for nice and uh never back down three which i worked on for a month in thailand with michael jai white isai morales and tony Ja and josh barnett in a lead role that comes out released by sony in june nice so that's that's gonna be pretty on dvd cool. or in theaters uh, I think it might go directly to Cinemax, or I'm not sure exactly, oh or, or, or HBO or Michael something. Michael Jai Barnett and Tony Jaa in yeah. the same movie. Yeah. Tony Jaa's just got a cameo, but it's, oh. it, but it's, it's got some. It's, You're it's, in it. That's the most. Um, yeah. What him? Why, how no, come I, he's on the list? But I'm talking to him. Doesn't matter. He's <laughs> I, on the list. Yeah, I, I understand that. All which right. means he's never back down three. Yeah, 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 yes. That's a lot of fun. We had we had a blast. Thailand for a month. Oh my god. Were you were you practicing leg kicks on trees? No, no, I, I was working out, but what are you just, in the movie? What's, what's your part? The movie. I play the lead trainer. Nice. Yeah. Nice. There so you I go. had to go for a stretch. There you go. Uh, all right. So never back down three coming out. CB, what do you got coming up? Um, not too much, man. Looking forward to all the fights this weekend and uh, going to Vegas for a few days at the beginning of next week. Uh, coming to my show? I won't be there Thursday. Uh, I'm leaving Wednesday night. I'm leaving before Ireland gets there because I don't want to like. <laughs> 
it, it hmm. turns into a shit show over there, and I don't need to be a part of shoes being thrown and not being able to walk through the MGM Grand. So I'll be there Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And uh, Tyler, what do you got coming up? Uh, recent, or I mean, coming up real quick, I got a couple of college gigs, but I want to plug March 18 and 19. I'm going to be at the Comedy Spot in Scottsdale, Arizona. Anybody out there, come see me. Nice, uh, great room. Yeah. Cool. I saw Tyler for the first time last week, and let me tell you people, this man is hilarious. The personality he brings on the podcast versus the personality he brings on stage, <laughs> I, I was blown away. You are absolutely hilarious. I don't know. What, I'm not sure if that's a compliment mm. or not, but okay, we'll take it. it. It's a compliment. <laughs> Relax, Adam. <laughs> Adam, Adam, Adam shit. One, one more thing. I'm playing sure. a couple of gigs musically with Ryan Senator. Just check on my Facebook page. Uh, it's, I, I can't remember the exact dates. Where? Um, locally. What yeah, the fuck I, kind of promotion is that? You don't know what it is. Just check my Facebook when I put it on my... Hey, come on, I, I don't have it written down here. I'm not like... I will, these, I will come. I'll be... I'm coming to that show. Dude, I'm, you know, because I, I, can, I used to be a contender. You almost got a kiss. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you, you were in Quiet Riot, sort of. Yeah. All right? So, so come on. Are you kidding? You're a great drummer. That's... Come on, don't be all humble. No, check, check out my Facebook. I'll put, I'll put it up once we get it all confirmed, but it's like probably late March and definitely early April. I mean, just check my Facebook, which is S-T-E-P-H-E-N-Q-U-A-D-R-O-S. No V and no A and Steven. Yo. Yes. All right. Thank you, Sideshow Network. Thank you to our sponsors. Tip a fighter. Listen, fighters are underpaid. We got to get these people more money. More money. Okay. Tipafighter.com at tipafighter. Also, uh, decipher, di-cipher.com. Download their audiobook, The Decipher Life. Okay. And uh, thank you so much, sponsors. Thank you, Steven. Thank you, Cote. Thanks, CB, Tyler, Sideshow, uh, CB's crazy girlfriend. Take care. Bye bye. 